Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's Mo Pawn, yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's Doug Tilly, number one super guy. I can hear him meowing in the background, Mo. That's the that's the other cat. You know, I got you know you know something we haven't said in a really long time, and I want to reiterate because it's been you know because we've had. Uh, our our theme song for a while now. I just want to say again how much I fucking love our theme song. It's people tell me all the time that they find themselves humming the No Budget Nightmares theme song, like in the shower I, and places. I like do that. I do it all the time. Yeah, all the time. It's about the most catchy possible podcast themes. We've been so lucky in general regarding the music on this we, podcast. We We're, really have. Yeah. So it it really gives this false impression. That we're a lot more professional than we actually are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if only they knew. <laughs> the subterfuge of professionalism. <laughs> so, sometimes broken with, with the sound of cats meowing in the background. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, you can only do so much. Mo, do you remember the last episode of No Budget Nightmares? No. Now, when I say when I say the last, I don't mean the final episode of No Budget Nightmares. Though this is the final episode of No Budget Nightmares of 2015, it's our special Christmas episode. Sure thing. Yeah, but do you remember our most recent episode? We did. Was that Haunted Ween? Was that the last? No, one? no. We did. <laughs> it was Hobo with the Trash Can. With the Trash Can. <laughs> I'm terrible. Yeah, you're a little terrible, but that's okay, Mo. Now, uh, we didn't really talk about on the show, since this is our first episode since then, that yeah. we actually got a lot of feedback regarding Hobo with the Trash Can from a number of the filmmakers involved with that movie. Well, I know I've been I've been talking to, uh, well, not so much lately, but uh, when, it, when it came out, I was talking to uh, Stephen Granger about yeah. it. You know, and he was like, he was listening to the episode almost like what um, uh, Mike Fitzgerald used to do, like on Twitter, <laughs> where like he'd listen to the episode and comment in on Twitter in about, real time, yeah, in real time. So it was like I was getting PMs from from Stephen Granger as he was listening to it. Like I can remember what I said two fucking weeks ago when I fucking <laughs> recorded it in the first place. No, yeah, I mean we we heard back. From- he was really he was really good about it though. He was uh he he listened to it and did that like the day after it came out. So I'm like, okay, I uh, at least I could remember what I what I had said at that point. The best thing about Steven was that he was also nice enough, nice in quotation marks, to pass along the episode to yeah. all of the other filmmakers that were involved. And for those who haven't listened to that episode, you should go back. Uh it is Hobo with a Trash Can, the anthology film, the no budget anthology movie. And I thought we were very even-handed on a movie which I think some people might not be able to even appreciate on the level that we appreciated it. 
I think so. Uh, but uh, I do know that Stephen passed along that uh, that coat hanger abortion section. He passed along our, our podcast to the, or I, at the very least, he explained what our reaction was. And I think the person, um, I think their only reaction was something like, "Oh, I made the worst movie ever." Okay, and that's not what we were trying to get across at all. Yeah, that's not what we were saying. And 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 like with any other film director, save for one. Uh, we're totally willing to to look at other at other oh, work. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we we're not gonna like we're not the type of people who would be like, oh, well, we didn't like this. We're never doing that again. I mean, th- in that particular case, we were probably, or at least I was, a little more brutal in the idea that I really thought, and I still think that that segment should have been excised from the movie just because it really fucks up the tone and fucks up the pacing right, right. of it. Um, yeah, you're, and you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And, and yeah, you were a little brutal on it, but I don't think it that sucks, was though. It sucks so much ass. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's it's shit that needs to be said. We were asked, you know, to 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 cover the film, and we have to be honest at the very least. <laughs> you know, look, look, we, look. You and I may be a couple of like you know heathen assholes, mm. but we ha- but we have our integrity. We do integrity. In fact, the name of No Budget Nightmares. <laughs> th- I mean, when people think of No Budget Nightmares, integrity is the first word that comes to mind. Um, that's what that's what it is. It is kind of funny that we went like. <laughs> We or I went a little overboard saying, you know, cut this segment out of the movie. Do not put it in the movie. And, like, we released the episode, and the next day the movie came out on VOD. It was like, (laughs) well, I guess it's not happening. I guess it's still going to be in the movie. So, I mean, I still recommend that people do. I mean, it's a pretty – it's a very affordable uh, anthology movie. You can go get it right now. They should still watch it. You should definitely still watch it. And uh, I think if you get it right now – some money goes to charity even. So, hey, it's all – you can see the horrible segment, but it's for a good cause. But, yes, that is the past. But we, on this episode of No Budget Nightmares, are looking to the future because, as we mentioned before, this is our special holiday episode of No Budget Nightmares. <laughs> and we picked such a holiday film to cover. Ho, ho, ho! Merry whatever you believe in. <laughs> happy Hanukkah. Yeah, happy Kwanzaa, happy whatever. Today yeah. we are just happy because we have decided to treat ourselves by watching a movie which both Mo and I were extremely familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, like almost almost obscenely uh, familiar with this is a movie <laughs> that it's funny because uh, there was a time I think in both of our lives when we probably were more inclined to watch a movie like over and over and over again uh, and it's probably you know these days I just don't have the time to do that uh, sometimes I uh, have I have movies that I return to be, like maybe once a year or something where it's like oh yeah, yeah absolutely like comfort movies but uh, but back when I was a teenager sometimes I you know my you know, sometimes the pickings were slim. Sometimes it was just, you know what? I'm going to spend this summer watching Dawn of the Dead every goddamn day because why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, I mean, I did that with uh, with surviving the game. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, people always laugh when I say that. It's 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 legitimately the movie I've seen the most times. <laughs> the, I, you're talking about the Ice T. Rucker Hauer survival. I am, in fact, talking about the the Ice T. Rucker Hauer survival. That is yes. amazing. We sh- I, that now I want to talk about that on a fucking podcast. But no, we're not going to be talking about that. We decided again to treat ourselves by going back to the future. No, not to the future. To the past. To 1987. And Peter Jackson's very first movie, way before The Hobbit, way before Lord of the Rings, even before The Frighteners, even before Braindead slash Dead Alive. It is 
1987's Bad Taste we're talking about today. Bad Taste. Bad Taste. Mo, when was the first time you saw Bad Taste? Uh, well, you know, I, it's, um, mm. there, there, there are generally like for, for like our generation, there are, uh, three films that, that tend to introduce people to, to, uh, Peter Jackson's work mm-hmm. and, and, and there, so there's bad taste, there's meet the feebles and there's dead alive or brain dead, depending on where you're sure. from. Um, so I had, so I saw dead alive first and then from that, I saw, I heard about this ridiculous Muppet, you know, like puppet <laughs> movie that he had done. So I watched Meet the Feebles, and then they're like, "Oh well, if you like those two, you should watch this." So this was actually the third of the of the three that I had seen. Um, it would have been ninety six, ninety seven ish. So I was like, you know, mid teens, um, really early on into my uh, into my fascination with film. Uh, cause I started way late and, uh, so yeah, so that was probably the first time I saw it. And I, I, I remember just kind of sitting there watching it, you know, thinking, thinking to myself, like uh, first thinking to myself that I didn't like it as much <laughs> as I liked the other two, because the other two are way more like polished and, and gory and, and over the top. But, um, but yeah, that's that. So that's where I sort of started with, with. Uh, bad sure, days. sure. And I, to be honest, my my situation was kind of similar to that. You know, you fuckers listening right now, you have no idea how good you have it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. There was a time, and you know, I I the first Peter Jackson movie I saw was actually it might have been, I I remember back in the mid nineties, I was on like, what, like what, was it was it the King Kong? It movie? was not the King Kong. <laughs> uh, it it was before the Frighteners came out. Uh, but I think it was after Heavenly Creatures. It was right around the time Heavenly Creatures came out is when I mm-hmm. saw um, uh, I saw Meet the Feebles. Oh, I love Meet the Feebles. And uh, the, the thing about where I grew up is that it was very hard to find a lot of these movies. It was just really difficult. Our video stores weren't exactly uh, teeming with like splat stick type movies. And, yeah. and the only version of Dead Alive that our local video store had, or even a video store that was in a, a nearby uh, um, distance, was the R-rated cut. Mm. And I remember, because even at that time, I was on, like, uh, message boards, like, um, uh, BBSs and things like that, and, like, the early version. <laughs> I was a nerd. So <laughs> I was aware that there was an unrated version out there, and I refused to watch the R-rated version. I was like, fuck this. I'm not watching this neutered version of this movie that everyone says is so amazing. So right. the first time I saw uh, Dead Alive was as Brain Dead uh, because mm-hmm. I bought it from one of those mail order. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, I bought like a, a VHS copy of the Japanese Laserdisc because I wanted to see it, right? And I watched the fuck out of that. So yeah. just like yourself, Bad Taste was the third one that I encountered, and uh, by the time I saw it. It was in the latter days of VHS, and I know that that is fairly late. But again, no place around me had it. But right. uh, but it even at that early day, that early time, I had at least an appreciation for the fact that there was a lot of craft in it. But like yourself, I didn't. Um, I missed a lot of that polish, even in something yeah. a few years later, like Brain Dead. It was only upon revisiting it a few years after that, and especially after I started being involved in making movies, where I was like, "Holy shit." This yeah. this is an amazing amazing accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's how I was saying because I was telling I was just saying before we started recording that I haven't seen this since the nineties. Yeah. 
So, and so much has happened, you know, I mean, like literally 15, 16 years of, of experience since the last time I saw it. Um, so I can like truly appreciate what went into making it. Cause I didn't know anything about film one, the last time I saw it, I just knew that there were movies out there and I enjoyed watching them, but I wasn't at, cause cause the last time I saw this, I hadn't gotten into, I hadn't even gotten into my like pretentious like art film avant-garde phase <laughs> you know which lasted a, like a good four or five years you know i was obnoxious to watch movies with i'm just gonna, i'm just gonna say but um but what does the head getting chainsawed in half represent yeah right exactly exactly <laughs> but uh but it really uh, and I would actually uh, suggest to anyone listening right now, uh, I imagine most of our listeners has, have seen Bad Taste. And in fact, because there's some confusion about whether it's in the public domain, it's very, very easy to see an uncut version of Bad right. Taste. It's, it's simple. Yeah. Do a quick search. You can find it. But there are also uh, really nice DVD versions. There's one from Anchor Bay. There's actually a uh, Region 2 or it might even be, yeah, I think it's Region 2 Special Edition, which has a commentary from the uh, the actors that are not Peter Jackson in the movie. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's options that are out there for people. But, yeah, it's very easy to find. But what I would recommend, if you're already familiar with the movie, is to seek out the half-hour New Zealand-made documentary Good Taste Made Bad Taste. It's a really, really interesting behind-the-scenes look at Peter Jackson when he was still, you know, like in his mid-20s, just after Bad Taste had come out, before Meet the Feebles had come out, and you get a real sense of just how much fucking work this movie took to make. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I got to tell you, I'm surprised that I haven't seen that yet. Like, I'm, I'm so like when we're done with this, I'm going to go watch that because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of amazed. Like, I'm usually on the ball with it. With the Are you though, Mo? Are you? Yeah, <laughs> really, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'm not at all. But, but you know, like I, I, I like to, I like this sort of shit. So I'm surprised I haven't seen that yet, especially since this is <laughs> such an old movie. <laughs> well, I mean, this one in particular, I think, would be of value to a lot of our listeners because oh. it's not only inspirational for people who are trying to make their own low-budget movies, but it's also, uh, it gives a sense of just how much talent this guy had. Even right. in his early movies, they show clips of his like Super 8 movies beforehand. Yeah. And yeah. and he had even before he made Bad Taste made like this weird undead vampire movie. He had shot an hour of it and then abandoned it because he was abandoning a bunch of his movies because he couldn't complete them. Uh, and they were all shot on 8mm and this was his first movie on 16mm. And uh, and I don't know if you know this, Mo, but this was one of the most amazing things that gets revealed in that documentary. Ooh, the, what? So he was using his parents' 8mm camera for the filming of all of his shorts beforehand and even an attempt at a feature. But then he found a used 16mm camera that he could use to film Bad Taste. But uh -huh. the camera was one of those ones where you had to wind it up. Not wind as in like uh, keeping the frame. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually you had to wind it up and it could only run for 30 second takes at a time. So oh. the, the, the camera didn't record sound, could only record for 30 seconds at a time. And the whole movie was shot with that. That's wild. No, I didn't know that at all. That's that's sheds a lot of light on. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, it's crazy. And also, I mean, this movie was made on like weekends and evenings over a period of four years. They started. Yeah, it, was good. Yeah, it took forever for him to finish it. Uh, I was listening to the commentary today uh, I, I, and, and they mentioned that they started filming in October of 1983. And the movie, of course, came out in 1987. So, mm -hmm. I mean, amazing that it, that, and, and like all these actors were talking about, I showed up to set the first day with a beard 
or facial hair, so I had to keep it for the next four years. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Bad Taste from 1987. Mo and I, we both really, I mean, this isn't going to be as much of a, a criticism style episode of No, no Budget Nightmares. It's just us having fun. We're, we're just going to fucking, uh, you know, glow. This is our Christmas present. It really is. Now, we did mention at the end of last episode that some people might take issue at the idea that we're calling this a no-budget movie. It did have a budget. Its original budget, I think, was something like 25000 uh, New Zealand dollars, but that actually ballooned up by the end of the filming because the New England uh, uh, film... Sorry, not New England. New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, no, the New Zealand Film Commission actually gave them money, I guess completion money, which is why some, I guess, some of the larger effects were able to be completed in it. But, um, I mean, the the... Uh, attitude that went behind the original filming, the 1983 start of this movie, it so closely represents what the no-budget filmmakers that we encounter do and did that it it really is one of those ones we had to eventually cover. Yeah, that and fuck you, we wanted to watch this. Because we wanted to watch it. Because we deserve a little present here on No Budget Nightmares. This is my present to you, Mo. Aww. Aww. I just got you that um, that fruitcake. Well, I've already had sex with the fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> She's very nice. Ba-boom! <laughs> I'll just uh, pause for edit. Okay, continue. <laughs> We're having so much fun on our holiday episode of No Budget Nightmares. Someone got into the eggnog. <laughs> well, let's start with... Another piece of behind-the-scenes info, Mo. Yes, let's. Back in, like, 1995, 1996, I used to traverse a early Peter Jackson fan club webpage called The Bastards Have Landed. <laughs> okay. And I used to go on it all the time. And, I, like, I'd keep up on all the new Peter Jackson news. I was a real nerd. I mean, I still am, but I was Oops. then, oh, too. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> My my house didn't even have a didn't even have a computer until ninety six. <laughs> well, I remember one of my most exciting moments of the early days of my exposure to the internet was asking a question to a Q and A that Peter Jackson did back in the mid nineties, and him answering my question. It was a really dumb question. The question had to do with he, even at that time they were talking about remaking King Kong. Yeah, in the mid nineties, he was already talking about it, uh, and uh, I mentioned that uh, there was. Uh, some controversy because Ray Harryhausen had apparently said some uh, unfortunate or unpleasant things about the idea of remaking it, and uh-huh. and then you know his response was like, you know, I'm friends with Ray Harryhausen and he's 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 totally behind the remake. I'm like, okay. <laughs> did, did did you ask him? Uh, did you say back then? Uh, you know, uh, I was recently watching uh, the Neverending Story three, and one of the goons seemed like he'd be really good in the lead role. <laughs> That's it. I mean, you know, I, I gave Peter Jackson a lot of his ideas that he went and ran with. <laughs> I don't want to take all the credit for his success, but let's be serious here. Uh, but yeah, so that that's as close to Peter Jackson as I am likely ever to get. <laughs> Asking him a shitty question that I was completely wrong about on his website in the 90s. Hey, you know what? You got to ask him a question and he responded. That's pretty cool. These days I'm on Twitter. I can ask almost any celebrity a question. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I got into a fight on Twitter with Frank Stallone. So I mean, Frank Stallone is a fucking asshole. <laughs> he really is. But uh, I thought but it would I be so much fun to follow him, but it's not. It's just a bunch of like right wing rhetoric. 
it really it really is no i never followed him on on twitter so i have no idea how he i mean he must have like a google alert set up for any time his name is mentioned which of course means that he'll probably probably listen to this episode but uh i was making a it was just a joke hey, my stallone alert is uh ringing over here <laughs> yeah he's got like gaydar but it's for <laughs> stallone tweets you know um and i had made a, a comment that i thought that don swayze was the best of the sibling brothers <laughs> Uh, of the sibling actors, you know, and, uh, uh, and, and he, and he responded back to that. He goes, I didn't see Don Swayze getting nominated for best supporting actor. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, you know what? You know what? You got me. I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> and then I told him how much I love the uh, soundtrack to, uh, stand alive. alive. <laughs> I wonder what it must be like. To live a life where you can't tell when people are complimenting you, whether they're being ironic or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are... Just in kidding, though. I re- I actually really do enjoy his music. I think he's a great... Mu- I think his music is great. Sure. Well, why don't you sing us a little of your favorite Frank Stallone song? If I could think of one right now, I would, but... Well, what's your, I... what's your favorite song from the Stay in Alive soundtrack? Honestly, man, you, I hate I hate that I even brought it up now because now... <laughs> anything but I, I i i legitimately do enjoy the soundtrack i'm just terrible with fucking titles yeah and i'm terrible about my spouting my opinion about frank stallone that he <laughs> sucks a lot of ass and that uh yeah you oh, no, i yeah, no, he's a total prick uh, that's that's without a doubt yeah wingnut films presents <laughs> bad taste 1987's bad taste and one of the things that i remember again the very first time i saw this movie i was already like super into uh sam raimi at the time mm. and it's, yeah. it's funny to think that this movie started filming in 1983 because when i think about the kind of visual energy in the movie and a lot of the steady cam work and stuff like that it really reminds me of that kind of visual storytelling of sam raimi's early films yep and that really is the case in this, like, the very first few shots, which uh, show this reel-to-reel player uh, and a recording of someone kind of panicking about some sort of invasion. And yeah. and the idea is that uh, there's there's some sort of secret government agency in New Zealand <laughs> run by a man without an arm. Uh, instead, he has a uh, a hand attachment with a fingertip on it. Yeah. Uh, again, all really great kind of spy stuff. It's all very smoky. You don't really see anybody's face, um, and it's uh, and and we see him actually light a cigar. I love it. The cigar is taped onto the fingertip with a bandaid. That's right. I was going to say it's it's a great way to start the film because it gives you a good visual of what the comedy of the film is going to be like. Absolutely. And it, and 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 you got to give Peter Jackson credit because like the dude is funny. Like there's I mean like his visual comedy is just perfect. And uh, and there's a whole there's a lot of it. I found, you know, like I and I had forgotten about so much of it, you know. <laughs> so you think because you think about about his movies, you tend to think about like the gore or the effects, you know, and you kind of forget that he's actually really really funny. Absolutely. You know. And uh, and just starting off with that cigar, cigarette, whatever it is, uh, like taped to the to the finger, you know, the fake finger with a with a band aid is just, I mean, it's hilarious. I actually think that this is probably his funniest film. 
and I, I understand, you know, certainly the, uh, the comedy in The Frighteners actually works for me really well. I love The Frighteners. And, and, I, I never understood the hate for yeah, The Frighteners. Yeah, me either. And, and uh, Meet the Feebles I find really funny. And Braindead is funny too, but I find that the humor in this, I think it's because it is so low budget and, like, the acting yeah. generally is really not good and it's very right. amateurish. But because... They're try- everyone is trying so fucking hard. It just yep. makes it all the more amusing for me. Yup. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no I, I, I agree entirely. So uh, this government official guy, he talks to someone uh, on a radio or something like that and who, uh, asking for suggestions about what should be done about this possible invasion. Uh, and the person uh, makes a couple of suggestions, but he goes, I think this is a job for real men. And then yeah. we see his speed dial and it has the queen... Oh. <laughs> Mum and the boys. The boys, and uh, that's why that's why it's a real fucking shame that uh, Bad Taste didn't have like seven sequels, all f- you know, all featuring this gang of idiots. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> who who are sent out as kind of the last line of defense of New Zealand, uh, and in fact, uh, I posted on <laughs> over on the uh, the No Budget Nightmares Facebook group. I, yeah, I saw that, the the thing you, yeah. Go I, ahead. I posted, it was an excerpt from a Peter Jackson biography where it mentioned that, uh, I guess it was before Brain Dead, I think, he actually uh, presented the idea of doing, uh, filming uh, Bad Taste 2 and 3 back to back with yeah. the idea of the boys going uh, into space to actually fight the aliens in the movie. And I mean, that sounds, I mean, I would never trade anything for Brain Dead or, or Dead Alive. Right. Uh, and I love Heavenly Creatures, and I love the Frighteners, but I would love to live in a world where we had a few more bad taste sequels. Hell, you know what? I'd love to see, you know, because because he spent the last, I think it's like 14 years, uh, <laughs> just so enveloped in the world of Tolkien, you know, that I would love to see him now go back and, like, with what he knows now, with the capabilities he has now, and and do like a bad taste sequel. I would love that. I sometimes feel, and I know he's mentioned this in interviews, that it would be really interesting to see him, you know, again, with with the um, resources he has available to him, with Weta yeah. and with uh, all the talent that he's amassed, and then, of course, the money, to make a movie that is just so ridiculously violent. Now, as I've mentioned yeah. in other episodes, you know, violence doesn't really do it for me anymore, simply because we've reached such peaks and it's so easily accessible, but mm. something which really just went absolutely fucking crazy with it, just it, to yeah, see... It has, it has to be thoroughly... I mean, like, I still am a huge fan of violence, but it needs to be, like, spectacular. Yeah, and it's even hard to think about that existing in a 2015 going on to 2016 world. Simply, you know, and I'm not one of those guys who bemoans necessarily the lack of practical effects in a lot of modern movies. But mm-hmm. one of the things that makes this movie so much fun is that the practical effects are so practical that there's, right. you know, they really are pieced together. It, they, they, they even do the tribute to, to the Tom Savini machete from Dawn of the Dead in the movie. You yeah. know, it, it really is from that era where it's like, well, I need to have this guy getting his head cut into how do I do that? And then you start putting those pieces together until you have that effect. Yeah. I'd love to see, I'd love to see a modern, like 100% practical effect, <laughs> you know, like ultra violent, you know, something to this effect. And I think if anybody could do it, seeing as he has all these crazy resources and, of course, the money on hand, you know, like Peter Jackson could do that. No problem. I also think that it could invigorate him a little bit. Uh, I, was, I think so, too. I mean, I was geez. watching some recent interviews and I'll tell you, that guy looks 
tired. He looks yeah. like he's just exhausted. And yeah. I and it, it just you know it'd be so it'd be nice. And not that he doesn't give a shit about the Tolkien stuff and the Hobbit movies, but you know just something that he could that is totally his. You know I don't know. I don't want to uh, feel like I've already directed enough of his career. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, the next thing that we see is actually a seaside New Zealand town. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. I, I just want to mention sure. like uh, like another of the visual pranks, you know that that happened earlier. You got the guy on the phone, and I love that. Um, I I love the joke that he lights the cigarette with a candle that's shaped like a hand. Yeah, you know, I just I love that because like the dude doesn't have the hand. But he's still using his hand to to light the cigarette. <laughs> so we go from that after he's uh, called the boys. We cut to the seaside town and we're introduced to some of the characters in the movie. Now, all of the lead actors in this movie were like school friends uh, or work friends of Peter Jackson at the time. They yeah. have uh, inconsistent abilities in terms of acting. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but everyone's giving their best shot, and it, we we already uh, hinted at it before. All of the sound in this movie is is post synced and post dubbed. So uh, and that's obvious right from the very beginning. And it's fine. It's whatever. fine. So yeah. we we get introduced to Barry, who's one of our lead characters. Barry has sort of sleepy eyes and a uh, beard, and uh, he is um, one of the boys. He is. Yeah, and he finds himself in this uh, little town chased by a man in a horrible white wig and a blue shirt. <laughs> and we we quickly discover in these early moments of the movie that um, the aliens are all visible because they look they, – they're all wearing these same clothes, these blue shirts, yeah. which makes it a lot easier to use the same actors again and again. And, and you know what, though? Again, another nod to the uh, uh, to the practicality of it. You know, like how how great is that that you can do, you know, 85 percent of a film, you know, that, you know, these guys are aliens and right. all you have to do is slap jeans and a blue shirt on them. I love that. Despite that, they knew that eventually they had to give the money shot. They had to show yeah. what the aliens looked like. And yeah. what and, and that's a tough thing, right? Because after all that build up, you're like, well, what are they going to look like? Uh, of, course, of course, you already know if you've ever seen the box cover or the poster. Right. <laughs> but the fact that, that it lives up to expectations and that yeah. it's, it's not just like, oh, well, anyway, we'll, we're, we'll talk about that. Right. So uh, Barry is talking on a walkie-talkie to somebody else. Who is that other person, Mo? Derek. Now, Derek, who's Derek? What do you mean? Who is he? Oh, Derek is sort of the uh, the intel guy, I guess. He's sort of the... Uh, he's keeping uh, an eye on on everything, uh, kind of watching Barry's back. Exactly. And yeah. the other notable thing about Derek is he's played by Peter Jackson. He's played by Peter Jackson. Now, Peter Jackson, which, which I have to tell you, like I am so bad about recognizing Peter <laughs> Jackson when he doesn't have his beard that it took until the end credits for me to remember that that was Peter Jackson. That is fucked on a number of different levels, actually. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> because it knowing that that's Peter Jackson makes a sequence that's coming up in just a little bit like 10 times more impressive. <laughs> right. But anyway, so Peter Jackson plays Derek, like you said, he's sort of like an intel guy. He has a um uh, a big um what are they called? Those things you put around your neck. Not a noose. Um scarf? Scarf. He's got a big scarf. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got glasses, and uh, he's a bit of a psycho, actually. And we learn yeah. more about that pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> so he's giving kind of advice to Barry, uh, because Barry sees this guy, this alien, chasing him. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of Derek is kind of helping him along. I love that uh, Barry is worried that it's not that it's not actually an alien or someone trying to kill him. He says to Derek, he goes, it might be Ministry of Works or something. And Derek goes, nah, he's moving too fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, there's there's a lot uh, there's a lot of great like bureaucratic yes. uh, jokes in this. But I I also love that the uh, that the guy with the axe he's chasing him and. Uh, it's it's such a, a a stupid joke, but it works so well. As the guys walk in, and the axe gets sort of accidentally buried into a accidentally. Ha 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 ha. Waka waka. But uh, yeah, it gets like uh, stuck in a piece of wood, <laughs> and he's like doesn't know what to do <laughs> for a second there. So one of my favorite gags in the entire movie happens. In just a second, where what happens is that Barry realizes that the guy is trying to kill him, especially once he gets loose. <laughs> so he takes out the gun, and he holds it in his hand, and he points it, and Derek says over the, the walkie-talkie, I always thought you were left-handed! And he, then he switches to his left hand, because he apparently forgot that he was left-handed. <laughs> Such a, a weird problem. fucking gag. Uh, there's a lot of really weird gags in this. I fucking love it. There's some really... I mean, this... The location of this movie, this kind of seaside small town, is a really interesting one. Uh, but they really get like a lot of good like camera movement out of it. There's uh, I can't remember. Did we already mention on the show? I might have mentioned it to you before we started recording, Mo. That they that Peter Jackson actually built a twenty dollar Steadicam to yeah. make this movie, and they built like a crane and they built a dolly and like when they were doing their crane shots. Um, the the design of the crane didn't allow him to look in the eyepiece when they were filming, so they just huh. had to do a wide lens, sh- put it in as close to the direction as possible of the action, and then hope that he got the right shot. That's wild. There's a really great edit here where it goes into the back of the alien's uh, wig for a second, and then it yeah. cuts to a different setup of a, of a, of a crane shot, and then it kind of goes above the action. And again, like this is... The guy's first real feature film. It's amazing how much skill he had, even at those early it, days. It absolutely is, you know, and just and just knowing all of that, you we know, are like jerking off Peter Jackson here on this episode. Yeah, well, and it's well, no, it, it feels good though. It, it, it's, <laughs> it, <laughs> that came out really wrong, but um, <laughs> I, you know, because like like I said, it's been it's been a decade and a half of dealing just with like Lord of the Rings and right. Tolkien, you know Middle Earth, you know that like it's really easy to forget that you know the 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 talent that he's kind of always had and right. like because like you were saying before, he just seems you know bored with with the material especially by the time that last hobbit movie came out it's just like jesus christ just ended already you know um but yeah this is and this is his first movie and he's and he's pulling off all this shit that like that like you know uh seasoned directors don't really know how to do it's i mean here on here on no budget nightmares we give points for effort uh, yeah. But it's even more impressive when you do the effort and it actually – you can pull and it, it off. it pays <laughs> off. Exactly. Exactly. So Barry takes a couple of, of shots at this alien guy and ends up hitting the axe twice. And <clears throat> then we get one of my favorite lines in the entire movie, a line that I used to quote back in the 90s all the time when watching movies. Let's have a little listen. <laughs> Getting a little little taste of the bad taste soundtrack there as well. It has a very really distinctive synthy 
soundtrack, which I actually really like. But I uh, love it. Yeah. yeah. So that line, the headshot's the only real stopper, <laughs> is is one of my favorite in the movie, uh, and that leads to really the first awesome gore effect in the movie, which is that Barry shoots the alien. And we get a shot of its shaky legs in close-up, and the camera pans upwards, and we see that his entire top half of his head, basically uh, from the midpoint of his nose up, have been blown off entirely. Yeah, it's brain oozing out of the skull. It's 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 gross and brilliant. And, and then the, the body falls, and of course the brains like rub all down Barry's leg. <laughs> and in fact, the first time he shoots the guy, like blood squirts right in his face, which of course is one of the classic moves of, uh, of, of, uh, splatter cinema. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny exactly how many times somebody gets splattered in the face. With no shit kidding. In this movie, just <laughs> constantly. So, uh, that leads uh, to our opening title, bad taste. Uh, and we also see that's actually, uh, over a shot of a car driving into this seaside town, which I think is called Kaiboro, something like that. I think it's a real place. Yeah, ca- yeah, yeah, something to that. Something like that with this peaceful, ironic music over it. So uh, after the death of the alien, Derek tells Barry to collect a <laughs> the pieces of brain that has been shot off. <laughs> yeah. But Barry is is um, reasonably resistant to the idea, and Derek. Well, yeah, he's like, "Well, get get a blood sample." <laughs> he's like, "I'll just I'll just wring out my stride." <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of interesting New Zealand slang in this movie as well. Uh, yeah. One of the things they mentioned on the commentary is that that they were surprised that the movie traveled. Because there are so many kind of local references in it. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, it's not hard to to pick through. It's it's not like um, there there are certainly horror movies and movies in general out there which are a lot more specific about their cultural references. Right, right. And there's actually a really big one coming up, but we'll get to that in a second. Sure. Uh, So then uh, Derek and Barry are kind of having a conversation. Uh, Barry is a little bit concerned that they've actually come to the wrong town, especially because the whole town is empty like there's nobody right. there uh, right. they even i think mentioned that there might be up to 75 people missing um and uh, and that's when derek says that he knows it's the right town because of this well i just hope you got it right this time no doubt about it barry i've been watching the skies and do you know what the skies did they pointed they pointed at this place yeah, there's something a little off when it comes to Derek. <laughs> 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 there, there, uh, that's another thing. Like these characters have obvious backstories that we don't. You know, they've all worked together for a long time, but we don't really know their relationship at this point. Uh, right. and, but that's great because you kind of get to fill that in as you're watching the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's some great uh, dialogue back and forth here. It's like like Barry's wondering like why the aliens can't be friendly and. Um, I forget what he says. He makes it. Oh yeah, he he says. Oh yeah, these guys aren't phoning home. And oh, calls, there's no glowing fingers on these there's, bastards. There's no, yeah, there's no glowing <laughs> fingers. Remembering, of course, that this movie started filming in 1983. Right. <laughs> a surpri- a surprising number of ET references. Yeah, but, that's right. And they also. And then, uh, this is one called, of you. Was that? Uh, and he calls them. He call. He says it's like a, a. It's like a visit from a planet full of Charlie Manson, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> and then I think the, the cultural reference that you were making. Yeah, right yeah, this one right here. <laughs> where they said that if they don't stop the aliens here, that they're going to move on to larger cities, Christchurch, Wellington, 
<laughs> it was Auckland? Well, that wouldn't be so well, bad. Well, that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> now, I don't get that because I'm not from New Zealand. And yeah. I'm guessing we don't have a lot of listenership in New Zealand. But right. uh, but I guess Auckland are probably – it must be full of assholes or something. I have no idea. It's like the Toronto of New Zealand. Well, I was, I'm sitting there thinking about yeah. – well, you know, that's – that's because uh, that's what the great thing about the joke is, is that you – and no matter where you go, there's always that – spot that people don't want to go to you know so like you'd be like like trenton new jersey you know or like bridgeport connecticut you know sure like just places that nobody wants to go to <laughs> so uh they also are concerned that someone is going to show up in this town because uh there are some collection packets like charity collection packets for the beneficial relief and emergency committee and uh, they're supposed to be picked up that day so they know someone's coming yeah, somebody's coming around to collect the bread. That'll that'll play. Yeah, that's right. That'll play into something in just a little bit. Uh, but Derek continues to tell Barry to watch out just in case there's any friends of the alien. And uh, just seconds after saying that, Barry gets pulled into a shack uh, by a group of these creatures, all wearing the same blue shirts. Yeah. Now, now answer, answer me this because because I because uh, you know how like there's a really bad habit of of low budget filmmakers to not introduce characters when mm-hmm. they show up on screen. So um, in my notes, it says right around this point that I realized that the other guy's name was Derek. So is that the first time you actually hear the guy's name or did he or did Barry say Derek's name earlier in the film? That's an interesting question. I can't say for sure because one of the most famous quotes from this movie involved Derek's name. So right. I, I had it right from the beginning. So I can't remember if there was a piece of dialogue that confirmed that. Oh, uh, well, I mean, well, this is the point in this. I mean, and, and this is like seven minutes into the film. So it's it's not that bad. It's not like some films we've watched where we're 45, 50 minutes into an hour and 10 minute movie. <laughs> where we're finally learning characters names, although there is one guy in this that we don't learn his name until he's he's already been on screen for, you know, for for, for almost, almost 20, 30 minutes before we even realize what his name is. But, uh, but I feel I, like I feel like that only annoys us because we're taking notes, and that yeah, your average viewer just doesn't give a fuck if anyone ever like, gets named. You're probably a hundred percent right, <laughs> but it's it's still such a pet peeve. <laughs> so uh, Barry and these aliens have a little uh, dust up. We can't really see it. We just see like like holes getting punched through the wall from you the know, outside. And you know what? It's a brilliant way yeah. to do a fight scene because you know like pieces of the house or of the shed are falling off, and like you know like you see like a foot through the wall and then you see Barry's head come through the wall and like, you know, so you don't have to do all of this choreographed violence, you know, but you know that violence is happening and it's still visceral and, and entertaining and, and, and I mean, kind of funny, you know, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a really great way to do, to do a fight scene. It's not like some other ones where like, Characters are being killed off screen, and we don't even know it's happening. You know, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, Barry manages to escape from this like shack. And by the way, this town has a lot of shacks in it. <laughs> in fact, when he runs away, he hides in another shack. Um, and this, yeah, is- well, I mean, it's it's you know, it's a it's a small New Zealand you know uh, fishing and farming yeah. town. So I mean, of course, yeah, the kind of place I grew up in. <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> well, th- th- while this is happening, Derek, uh, who doesn't know what's going on because Barry has lost his walkie-talkie, Derek calls the rest of the boys, the other two characters, and then we are introduced to Frank and Ozzy. What uh, defines these two characters, Mo? Um, <laughs> what defines them? Yeah, what are, what are they all about? 
Uh, well, I don't know. Ozzy seems to be into heavy metal music. Yeah, his name is Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, his name's Ozzy. He's uh, he's more kind of gun obsessed. He's uh, yeah. he's a bit he's a bit. Uh, uh, there are mo- yeah, you see him reading Soldier of Fortune. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's one of the funniest characters in the movie too. He, he really is. I, I also love the fact that like they don't give him a gun because he has uh, personality disorders. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank is sort of the hard-nosed leader of the group. Right, right. And he's, he, sorry. he's very, um, oh, God, what's, I can't. Yeah, I know you're thinking of from the A-team. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, like the Hannibal from the There A-team. you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, for some reason, I can remember the actor's name, but I couldn't remember the character's name. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he's like Hannibal from the A-team. And the actor who plays him. Uh, he is the most mumble-mouthed fucking dude. He really is. I found, I, I like, the only time I ever had to rewind to catch what somebody had said was, it was always Frank. Always. Yeah, and it, it's funny because Mike Minette is the guy who plays uh, Frank, um, and he, in the commentary, he, you can't, you can barely understand a fucking word that he's saying, and this is like years and years later. I thought, you know, you know how it is when someone's trying to act and they're an amateur, they just end up mumbling a bunch of shit. No, that's just how the dude talks. That's how he talks. Yeah, it's weird actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so they uh, they converse about what's going on. Uh, basically, Derek is trying to get them to get to the town quickly because shit's going bad. Uh, we also get to learn the name. Of the boys, like what their group is for the government. <laughs> this uh, little, little, a timely joke for the mid '80s. Let's have uh-huh. a listen. Uh, I knew it was a mistake to issue weapons. We're a government department and a paramilitary unit. Yeah, the Astro Investigation and Defense Service. Wish we'd change that name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's an AIDS joke. Um, it's an AIDS joke. Which is no, it's tasteless. But then again, this is called bad taste it's bad so. taste yeah and, and and keep and of course this is also the second uh um an, uh, acronym based joke <laughs> and we're only 10 minutes in. <laughs> acronym based humor is the highest quality of all humor mo just above puns <laughs> bo, bo body bo body um so uh, yeah, I think I think Derek actually refers to the place that it's gonna. It's a Kiwi Jonestown. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you put the uh, the laced beer in a uh, little start polystyrene cups. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before signing off, um, Frank gives uh, gives Derek one more uh, suggestion. Okay, Derek, just do me one favor. What? Try not to make him extinct before we get there. Out. Christ, what a dork. How the hell did he get in this team? I like the idea that the rest of the group, <laughs> they all think Derek is a fucking weirdo nerd, and he is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Which really does, you know, a lot of this movie uh, doesn't involve Derek. In fact, as we'll find out, a huge chunk of it just has him kind of passing out again and again. But they, yeah. they set up right from the beginning that he's going to provide something for the ending of the movie. Yeah. So this then... Uh, leads to uh, the introduction of so, sort of an introduction of another element of what's going on, which is that Derek has captured one of the aliens and has him hanging by his feet or his foot over the edge of this kind of cliff that he's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to play into something really cool in just a second. But uh, the first thing, <laughs> the first thing it's going to do is uh, Derek is going to torture this alien. Yeah. This, this, this seems a little, I got to tell you a little brutal to watch. You know, just 
the the thought of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe uh, you know, look in in Reagan's America, maybe torture wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't looked down upon like it is in 2015. But yeah, this yeah. sequence, which is just he has like a bayonet. Would that be accurate to say? I yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just it's it's a it's a large you know knife sword thing. Yeah, blade blade, and he's like hammering it into the foot, the bottom of the foot of this alien. Uh, and it's screaming while he's doing it. And he, of course, Derek's reaction to this is to start howling like a wolf. <laughs> and in fact, it, it's a, it's a strange thing because it, it gains the attention of all the aliens that are going after Barry. But, right. uh, but in turn, it draws all those aliens towards Derek and they're all going to try to attack him. I like that this part, this has a really great piece of visual humor too, because Barry is stuck in this shed. He, uh, finds a pitchfork and he's like, okay, I'm going to attack these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he kicks the door and heads out to try to kill him with a pitchfork and he's caught his shirt on like a hat rack. <laughs> yeah. I, I call this uh Barry's Lionel moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And there's another moment like that too. Um where so he's there with the pitchfork, he's kicked the door open and there's an alien guy staring right at him. <laughs> but he can't reach him because he's caught on his hook. He's stuck. So uh so realizing that he's fucked, he just uses the uh the pitchfork to brace the door closed instead. Uh, and the alien whatever whatever works. And how are the aliens trying to get into the shack, Mo? Uh, they're using oh right 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 i had to think about it for a second uh yeah they're using one of the aliens as a battering ram yeah. just slamming his head into the door <laughs> uh so they're it kind of cuts back and forth between yeah. uh the, this action and derek uh torturing the guy the, the the real screams start to happen when he uh really hammers this sword thing into the alien's foot and like blood squirts out I love, how, I love how he's like questioning him. He's like, what are you daddy it was doing on my planet? <laughs> I, like, I like how what information is he thinking he's going to get? From... Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so um, the... Not a single one of these guys has said a single word this entire time. Exactly. Like, the reason he thinks that he's going to get information out of him. So uh, the aliens that are attacking Barry, they all turn and start to head towards Derek. And I love that they have luckily found a place which has like a large collection of sledgehammers that they can pick up right. on their way. I, and, and and this is another great visual gag, too, because like he's handing off these these hammers to the guy and the, the second to last guy runs by and gets this like just monstrous hammer. And then he looks back down for the for the last hammer for himself. And all that's left is this tiny little like, like model kit hammer. So he's like, oh, whatever. He just runs off with it. Yeah, One of the guys got like a croquet mallet. It's like this huge fucking thing. Yeah, yeah just this gigantic hammer, you know. So, so Barry, uh, who notices that the aliens have run away, he radios uh, Derek eventually uh, and tells him that and that's another great visual visual gag too because he runs off. That's right. And he ditches his radio because he lost the receiver end of it. He runs about you know forty fifty feet up the up the road to where they were going, finds the radio receiver, looks back, remembers that he dropped the other <laughs> half of his radio, and runs back to go get it. Yeah, absolutely, and that's all set up too because we see him drop the his his walkie-talkie part, yeah. and we see him drop his gun too, which he also picks up here. Uh, and this leads to one of the most famous lines from the movie. Uh, Barry uh, tells Derek that he should uh, run, and this is what he says: "Get out of there, fast, Derek! I can't do that. I'm a Derek. Derek, don't run." 
I'll tell you, if your name is Derek and you have any interest in horror movies, <laughs> you know that line intimately. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I got to tell you, in school, I was in gym class with a Derek, and I can tell you, Derek's don't run. <laughs> Did they climb? <laughs> no. No, he just kind of sat in the corner. Well, th- that was like a confident line from Derek. And you might ask yourself, well, why, why does he have a reason to be confident? Well, the reason is that he has a Uzi. He's got a fucking submachine gun. Yeah, he's got a machine gun in his, uh, in like a little bag that he has that he shakes out and pulls this giant gun out of. That's, now that's another thing that gets revealed in that documentary, Good Taste Made Bad Taste, which is that all the guns in the movie were made by Peter Jackson himself. Holy so, shit. like, those guns, which honestly, they look like real guns. They look real. So, the, uh, all of the, uh, extra bullet, um, uh, cartridge is I should say uh, mm-hmm. they're all made out of plastic and cardboard, and the, the 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 guns themselves are all like circular pieces of metal that have been drilled down to look like real muzzles and things, and wow. and like the 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 handle on the back is just made out of plasticine. I mean, it's just all pieced together, but it totally looks like a real gun. I thought the first time I saw this that they had like you know access to real replica weapons. Yeah, honestly, there's only one moment in the entire film I can think of where I saw the gun. And I said that looks really fake, but and it's it's a shot where they're looking, you're looking dead on, like right down the barrel, and you're like, yeah, that's not a real gun. But any other time when they're just like characters who are just incidentally holding weapons, it's it looks completely real. That's that's incredible. They also do a lot better job uh, superimposing muzzle flashes on these guns in this movie <laughs> than we did on when making rock paper scissors the fall of the original six. <laughs> uh, but any any chance to talk about rock paper scissors? <laughs> so uh, Derek decides he's going to shoot randomly into the forest, and a bunch of squibs go off, and and there's a whole bunch of damage, but no aliens get hurt because none of them are visible. Uh, yeah. But then an actual alien or one of the guys in, in the shirts uh, 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 approaches him. And because he realizes he's out of bullets, he does the classic towards him. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, he starts making the gun noise and it fucking works. And it works. The alien actually reacts as if he's been shot for a second. <laughs> and then Derek laughs like an idiot before running off to try to get the rest of his bullets. Yeah, Derek is a fucking dork in this movie. That guy was uh, totally right. Re- ridiculous yeah it's hard to watch these things with like drool coming down his face and thinking oh right that man has millions of dollars (laughs) (laughs) someone has given that man like like literally hundreds of millions of dollars to make a movie and and he has millions of dollars with which he can just do whatever he wants yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah so 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 he gets uh this is leading up to one of one of my favorite gags in the the movie so he gets he finally manages to get the uh the uh, a new clip into the gun uh, just in time for one of the to shoot one of the aliens who falls on him yes and uh and so the gun and the gun's now buried into the alien's abdomen so instead of attempting to pull out the gun uh he just pushes it through the other side of the alien you know so now he's like shooting at the other aliens through the one i just i i always love that i'm like it's, it's a, a really great gag and you it's know a great gag it's it's funny to think that this movie coming out in 1987 it's a it's a really good gag for 1987 when you know evil dead 2 came out in 87 and it was after yeah. reanimator and there were you know there were movies like that out there like street trash and, right. But it, to think that 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 kind of concept might have been there in 1983—that's like 
the only game in town doing shit like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's great. And so, yeah, he's shooting all these other aliens through the alien. Then he pulls the Uzi out of the alien's uh, abdomen, and then he has to shake blood yeah, out of it. Shake the blood out of it. But I will, I will say the one thing that that Street Trash has over this is that it has a fight scene in a bathroom that ends with a man getting puked on. So, <laughs> not that this movie saying. has any lack of puke. In it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And then this leads to one of my other favorite moments in the movie. So Derek has momentarily rid himself of some of the aliens that are attacking him, uh, and so he decides he's going to. Toss the bag with the bullets in it right. over a small fence. Yeah. And then he's going to jump over it. So he tosses the bag, attempts to jump over it, immediately falls over it like a fucking idiot. And just, just fails miserably. <laughs> and and that's, a, that's a running gag, too, especially with, with Derek, where he constantly tries to look tough and just <laughs> fails miserably. Like there's a there's a scene later where he has he has to jump over this tiny little hedge yes. and and still manages to fail. Great, <laughs> it's, it's so, so brilliant. There's two aliens left. They both approach him with sledgehammers now, and there's some really great visual uh, comedy here where like they they keep swinging at him and they keep either missing or hitting the other sledgehammer of the other guy. Right, um, right. And and uh, Derek is getting closer and closer to the edge of this cliff. And I'll tell you, some of this stuff actually looks really dangerous that they're... Probably was. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and uh, Derek, uh, it ends up that his his gun gets knocked over the edge of the cliff, but it's hanging down there, so he has to kind of try to grab it while these guys are coming at him with the, with the uh, sledgehammers. Yeah, I actually make a note in, in here that where I say Derek is hilariously inept, but thankfully for him, so are the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> so it ends up that he's holding on to what is now the frayed rope that the uh, the alien had been hanging from, the one that he was torturing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's hanging onto that. With his other hand, he's grabbing the Uzi, but because one of his hands are occupied, and especially after they cut the rope, the aliens do, uh, he can't, um, like, cock, I guess, the, the, the gun. So he has to end up doing that with his foot. Well, there's an even better moment too, where he gets the uh, he gets the clip. The, the clip into the thing, and because he can't use his other hand, he just bashes it into his head <laughs> to, to load the clip. <laughs> and then he gets one of his uh, a few superhero lines in the movie. Eat lit, <laughs> At this point, we should talk about the New Zealand accent. <laughs> I, I love key I love the Kiwi accent, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, it and, and don't make the mistake of of, of saying to a, to an Australian that a, that a New Zealander sounds like an Australian because, man, you'll you'll get them angry. Oh, I know it. I know it. <laughs> don't make that mistake. They'll come at you. They'll come at you. They'll <laughs> but, come at you like a drop bear. Uh, but I mean, think about again. This is this, this whole this whole show is going to be just filled with horrible fucking accent. <laughs> This might have been one of the first New Zealand set movies that I ever watched. I mean, again, there at you know before Peter Jackson came along, New Zealand wasn't exactly known as a hotbed of cinema. No. And even with the 80s, the mid-80s, there was this fascination with Australia for a short amount of time where we yeah. had your Yahoo series and we had your Coca-Cola kids starring Eric Roberts. And <laughs> you had – I was waiting for you to mention that, but yeah. yeah. You had your Duracell commercials with that your Australian guy. And your crocodile Dundee. And your crocodile Dundees. But New Zealand wasn't really a part of that. No. 
but now it's here. New Zealand's here to stay, especially because of the fucking Lord of the Rings. I bet I bet that helped their tourism so goddamn much. Oh, I'm sure there's like huge Lord of the Rings fucking tours and shit. But honestly, think about it though. Even even before Lord of the Rings, like how many movies can you name that are that are based out of New Zealand? I mean, <laughs> you mean that ones that weren't directed by Peter Jackson? <laughs> well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, like honestly, I think I can name one. There's that one. There's Black Sheep. Black Sheep, but of course that came after. And in fact, all the advertising for Black Sheep was like in the style of like Peter Jackson's yeah. violent. Uh, there's a movie I think called The Castle, which is about a farm house. It's a really it's like a comedy where like the government. I can't remember a lot of the details, but that's the <laughs> other one. That's the only one that I can remember. Right, exactly. <laughs> so what we're saying is we're ignorant. <laughs> we should watch more fucking movies. So Derek, that's what we need to watch more movies. Yeah, that's right. So Derek shoots these aliens, but what the first thing he does is he blasts the arm of one of the aliens that has a sledgehammer in it. It then falls and embeds in the skull of another one of the aliens. And yet another incredible visual gag because now, because the, the arm doesn't fall off. So now you've got this alien with a sledgehammer in its head and he's staggering around, you know, and, uh, and off the end of the sledgehammer, there's the arm. So it's just, it's a crazy gag. It's so great. It's really great. And you can imagine trying to put that together and then thinking, well, how are we going to do that with the special effects that we have available? And it looks really good. I mean, it's something else. So blood, of course, drips in Derek's face because, of course, it does. And this this leads into the moment that I was uh, referring to a little bit before with Mo not realizing that Derek was played by Peter Jackson. Yeah. Because this is the introduction to the alien that had been hanging off the cliff, which we never saw his face before. Yes, you do. Do you? Yeah, you totally do okay. because because before you know because when remember he uh, the, uh, Barry asks for a dis- or somebody asks for a description. Oh, of that's the, right, that's right. And he, and he says, "Oh, he looks a little human," you know. And uh, and and right then, uh, Peter Jackson in like just pulling the goofiest fucking face, uh, his head pops up over, and that's when I realized that. Uh, that Peter that, Jackson played the that alien. alien was was Peter Jackson okay. because remember, remember I can't differentiate between <laughs> shaved Peter Jackson and bearded Peter Jackson. Mo, Mo has face blindness when it comes to <laughs> non bearded people. <laughs> I, only, I only recognize bearded people, which makes which gives me a really hard time with the ladies. So this is a fight scene on the edge of a cliff where Peter Jackson Derek is fighting Peter Jackson the alien. He's fighting himself, and so they yeah. edit using body doubles and a lot of close-ups, and it's amazing. However, if you don't know that both of those people are Peter Jackson, it's still really good. Like, it's still well done, but right. it's not nearly as impressive. No, exactly, exactly. Thinking about that now, knowing that both of those people were Peter Jackson, is it's it's just a, a really incredible feat. And that also leads to another one of my favorite parts of the movie, which is that alien Peter Jackson. And let's just say that character's name is Robert. Robert, yeah, just so we can stop to say alien Peter Jackson. That doesn't get established until a while later. Uh, He kicks Derek, and Derek falls off the cliff. And this is done with the help of a amazing dummy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Honestly, I thought that they had just thrown Derek off the (laughs) cliff. You know, because uh, uh, until he got about halfway down and he bent in a really weird way. Right. Of, I know, people don't bend like that. I'm like, oh, that's a dummy. I'm also, like, he would have died doing yeah. what people I, I, I don't know. Stunt people. I don't know. Because <laughs> I, remember, I remember him falling down the cliff thinking to myself, man, that must have hurt. 
It's and, and then the and then his back twisted in a in in a wrong way, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's a dummy. That's really impressive. It's a great dummy. It's one of my favorite in movie history. And then it falls onto this big pile of like behind a giant rock, but onto this pile of rocks with a big blood splatter that goes up, and that is the end of Derek. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for now. For now. <laughs> but yeah, that dummy. There's one other great dummy in this movie, but we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, go ahead. We we get a really quick shot of the of Robert running in the woods towards Barry, who has almost reached where Derek was, and uh, Barry kind of like positions himself to fight him, but Robert jumps over jumps him, over and him. keeps running. <laughs> it should also be noted that uh, uh, mid twenties Peter Jackson was a spry uh, beanpole <laughs> compared to what he would become. But he was still big. He was a big guy, but uh, <laughs> you know, but certainly comparatively. Oh uh, yeah. So remember that charity guy we were referring to earlier? Yeah, the guy whose name we don't learn until the end of the fucking movie. <laughs> the guy who kind of looks like Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall. <laughs> does look like Bruce? He McCullough. does. I love now, is he a priest? No, no, he's not. Okay, because he, no, he has like a no, collar thing. Yeah, he has a collar, but do you remember he cuts a piece off of his bag? Yeah, I know. So, yeah. But at least he's – so he's like imitating a priest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just to see if he can get more money out of people. So he arrives in the town, and then we cut to Ozzy and Frank, who are keeping other people from approaching the town by putting a big nuclear contamination <laughs> barrier. <laughs> <laughs> But isn't the nuclear the closest nuclear reactor in America? <laughs> I like that uh, Barry radios them and tells them that like shit shit has hit the fan, and that he just says that by saying that Derek has lost his mind, he says Derek has popped his rivets. <laughs> <laughs> he also makes the great statement. They they mentioned that he like Derek had a fondness for birds. And they said birds were the only thing he could relate to. And then they cut back to his corpse being eaten by seagulls. Just being destroyed by seagulls. <laughs> so great. So uh, the charity guy, uh, we, get his, we get his character's name at the very end of the movie. I can't remember it offhand. Giles. Giles, I'll try to remember. Giles is kind of walking from house to house looking for charity packets. But he quickly realizes that the whole fucking town is empty. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of like is looking around nervously. Uh, and at one point, it takes a step in a pile of very, very disgusting-looking guts on yeah. the ground. There's actually a really great moment before he reali- realizes all of that. I almost broke into an accent there. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment before he realizes all that. No, That's not uh, bad. That was pretty good. Yeah. Though it sounded more Australian to me. Yeah, Australian is one of my best accents. <laughs> so. But... Um, he uh, uh, he's about to approach a house, and there's a dog there. And he just kind of stops and turns around again. <laughs> so uh, he's getting but yeah. He steps in a giant, disgusting pile of goats. He's then starts kind of just wandering around nervously before he encounters Robert the alien, who is eating with a spoon. Yeah. Out of the skull of the very first alien that got his head blown off. So he's there with the alien's body in front of him, spooning out his skull. It's pretty gross. <laughs> I like this. so this leads to a chase scene where where Robert is chasing after Giles and Giles he has a really big move to try to combat Robert who has this machete. He stops and turns around and flips him off. 
Well, it's because he realizes his car is right there. Yeah, right. He's like, like so, he, he, so he gets this like boost of confidence. You know, he's like, ah, my car is right there. Awesome. So he turns around and he flips off. He flips off Robert, and then turns to go back to his car. And this is another uh, running theme in the film too, where he hits his toe on a rock and immediately falls flat on his. That's face. right. People can't walk in a straight uh, goddamn nobody, line. Nobody can walk in this movie at all. Everybody is constantly tripping over themselves. <laughs> and Giles gets into his car but he's so fucking incompetent like he can't get the window up he can't start the car he (laughs) until until like um robert gets in and like has the bayonet uh that he's grabbed uh in through the window almost killing him with it but he then he traps his arm in the window itself and makes him drop the weapon uh and then eventually he starts to drive off with Robert still attached with his arms still locked in the window. Right, right. See, well, you know, it's funny, though, because, like, you know, we've been seeing these guys, uh, you know, fall into pieces uh, pretty pretty easily at yeah. this point. So, so I, I almost kind of ex- half expected um, his, his, him uh, to roll, roll the window up and his, and his whole hand to get chopped off. <laughs> as, as one character notices a little later, boy, they go to bits easy. <laughs> Yeah, don't we have that? We do, we do. That that again is another one of my favorite lines from the movie. Uh, One really funny thing happens. So his arm is caught. He's running along the side of the car. He gets loose, and eventually the car uh, shifts a gear and it it takes off. But the last thing that happens is that Robert pulls off the bumper of the car. Yeah, the back bumper. He just like touches it and just falls on the fucking ground. (laughs) (laughs) It's New Zealand craftsmanship. So um, Ozzy and uh, Frank are kind of uh, killing time. They really, should, I guess, should be getting to this town. Uh, and Barry tells them over the walkie. No, remember he tells them not. He tells them not to come. That's right. That, that's why they're hanging back. Not until this point. Uh, right. And Barry uh, walkie-talkies them to say that he's found what could be the hideout of the aliens. This kind of big fancy house. And this house is going to be the location of most of the second half of the film, but it's a nice house. Uh, the, apparently, it's, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's very nice. Well, apparently, like, uh, it was like a, a historic house in this part of New Zealand, and um, Peter Jackson got his parents to ask the caretakers if they could film in it for, like, a couple of weeks, and it ended up being for, like, years that they were using it. That's wild. But they didn't destroy it. No, it doesn't matter what you see in the movie. They did not destroy it. <laughs> So, um, the as Barry sees this location, the charity guy, uh, he, I think his car breaks down, right? Yeah, his car, his car dies, so he ends up taking off on foot. So it's kind, of, it's kind of great how like uh, how like Barry, Giles, and Robert all kind of show up at this house kind of at the same time. Right, exactly. Yeah. I also like the fact that his car must have broken down almost immediately because Barry could walk to this fucking place. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So uh, Giles goes up to the door, rings the bell looking for help, and it's answered by a big guy in a cook's hat with a mallet who smacks him across the head and knocks him unconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is what leads to um... that that chef guy, the guy who knocks him unconscious. His whole like visual look is just <laughs> hilarious, you know. So, Super so, tight striped shirt. Yeah, yeah. We got we got to we got to give a better visual for this guy. So he's he's a big dude. First off, you know, like tall. Um, 
you know, wearing a chef's hat, big beard, uh, you know, gut hanging out from underneath <laughs> his way too tight shirt and just tiny shorts. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so great. So Barry, who witnesses this happening, he radios the guys and says, we've got trouble. And they say, good one, because that means that they're going to come and kill the aliens. <laughs> Uh, the uh, the charity guy actually it cuts right to him waking up in a big it's like a barrel but it's like like a big pot filled with like vegetables yeah it's like a uh, brining barrel yes and he has yeah. an apple in his mouth and he has an apple taped into his <laughs> mouth um, and that is when we're introduced to one of the other the probably the last main character of the movie which is the old man alien Lord Crumb oh he had a name yeah I don't think he's ever referred to as Lord Crumb in the movie. Yeah, I don't recall him ever because in my notes he's just called the old alien. Yeah, and uh, he has um, a a little. Um, he, well, he has a really great voice, even though it's not the actor's voice; it's someone else's voice that's dubbed him in. Uh, but he uh, he explains to Giles what's going on right here. Mm. I suppose you're wondering why you're soaking in Reggie's delivered secret herbs and spices. <laughs> 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 Tomorrow we're having you for lunch. <laughs> he he almost sounds like like a kiwi skeletor. <laughs> you know, like you almost expect him to just go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- there's a little hint given here about what's going on with the alien invasion, and we might as well talk about that right now. So- yeah, right. This this is where you sort of realize that that they're looking for a food source. Yes, they're actually. Yeah planning on selling humanity as like a fast food taste sensation for the galaxy. Uh, And so this is what they're basically bringing back samples before coming back and taking over the whole planet and selling all of humanity as food. Right. Uh, And, and in fact, when it comes to Giles, he's actually being set up as a special treat for all the guys who've been working on the planet, gathering this food so they can eat some of it. Right. Uh, There's a really hilarious, horrific, Visual gag here, which is that the cook, uh, after the the Lord Crumb has has explained what's going on, he leaves the room and does the classic throat slit motion. Right, right, right. <laughs> and Robert, who's also there, and and it, it, Robert doesn't talk. He's almost like a leather face ish character. He yeah. he has the um the bayonet piece in his hand. And that the cook that the cook just sharpened. Just sharpened. Before. And he does the same throat slit motion, but ends up slitting his own throat. Actually slitting, slitting his own throat, which is <laughs> fucking hilarious. And the charity guy, who, by the way, is going to be cooked and eaten, he laughs at this. And then, of course, blood squirts right into his fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mo, remember earlier when I said Derek is dead? Right. I lied. Ah! Uh, no, Derek isn't dead. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, Derek wakes up. Uh, surprisingly enough, he's still alive. And his first action upon waking up is to headbutt one of the seagulls that is currently <laughs> eating him. <laughs> the seagull, by the way, not the most realistic looking fake seagull in the world. But the uh, fact that they made fake seagulls at all is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah not realistic looking at all. He, 
But uh, yeah, and, and so and so and here's here's where we're introduced to uh, a running gag through pretty much the rest of the movie with with Derek is that uh, he he didn't come out of this completely unscathed. This is so fucking crazy. Like I remember reading about this movie before I saw it, and this is the part of it that made me think, "Oh my god, I need to see this fucking movie." Right. So so what happens is is Derek sits up, you know, and realizes that he's relatively unhurt. <laughs> Except, except that a piece of his skull has fallen out, and uh, and and now there's like this flap of skull in the back of his head that keeps falling down. And uh, there's a, there's a great visual here where he realizes that a part of his brain has fallen out. <laughs> so, so he so he, which is of course you know I mean whatever for comedy it works so he picks it back up and puts it back into his head and closes up the uh the hole again uh, but i love how like every time the flap opens it's like he has this immediate reaction where he just tosses himself uh he tosses himself onto his back and just starts convulsing and desperately trying to close the hole back up again my favorite part of this is when he notices that there's a part of his brain missing and he looks on the rock and sees the brain, he picks it up and like holds it in front of his face right. and he looks so embarrassed and he looks, he like looks back and forth sheepishly. It's like, Oh, and then he puts it in his, like, it's just like, he's, he's mortified that somehow he's lost a piece of his brain. Right, exactly. <laughs> also, exactly. I mean, we, we need to really get this across. It's not like he opens up the back of his skull and, and, and kind of just lays the piece of brain in. He squishes all of it together. <laughs> And and that and that becomes sort of a running gag too, where it's like he. Well, we'll get to it when we get to it. But uh, so yeah, so so he ends up hold. So he he's now holding the back of his head closed. Um, and uh, let's see where are we. Yeah, not yet. We're, he's gonna he's gonna get uh, <laughs> he's gonna get a hat in a moment, but not quite yet. Not quite yet. So <laughs> so what happens now is that Frank um and barry right yeah well frank and ozzy are talking about uh suggesting to go get backup and how much time it's going to take because i guess it's going to take a day uh, of driving just to get back to uh to to any area where they can get backup so it'll be two days before backup even gets back to them right so they decide they're going to make a rescue mission for giles and go in after midnight Right. In fact, as we'll soon discover, it seems like they went in well after midnight. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in just a second. Then yeah. then we go back to Derek, who wanders over to where he has hidden a car. Now, right. this car is amazing for a number of different reasons. This car is fucking brilliant. <laughs> but the first reason, the most immediate reason right now, is that he opens up the door and he pulls out a hat. And he's going to use this hat to keep the back of his skull closed. But what's notable about this hat? It's just a giant top hat. It's a fucking giant top hat. Why would he have that in the car? He just happens to have a top hat. (laughs) And I like that he puts it on and he's like, oh, and then immediately hits the ground and starts convulsing. (laughs) <laughs> I, I i love uh i love that that his first reaction is is to get a hat to put it on meanwhile he's got a giant scarf around his neck that yes. he could have easily tied around his head well there's also another option that he takes advantage of in just a little bit later yeah yeah 
<laughs> so uh, back to the boys, the other uh, members of the crew, and uh, they basically are getting their gear together to right. They're, they're deciding it's time to go hot to go in hot with weapons, so to speak. And I love that uh, one of them. I think it's Ozzy says it's open season for ETs. <laughs> so they uh, they they have a car there, and they open up the trunk and they start taking out weapons. And there is a hint here. That there's like this large weapon in a wooden box, and uh, and Frank goes, "We're not going to be needing that, Ozzy." And he goes, "Oh," <laughs> but of course, but I, I love the, I love the fact that this 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 is one of the few movies that does like just blatant foreshadowing. Yeah, right. But it works. I can't believe know? that they they not not only do they have that foreshadowing, but they end up setting up something that pays off entirely. Like Entirely. to a point where you couldn't believe how much that's going to pay off. <laughs> it's really? ridi- like it pays off in two ridiculous. Okay, anyway, in we'll- two, yeah, no, exactly, yeah. Well, we're out of ourselves. Oh God, we just want to talk about all the best stuff at the end of the movie. <laughs> so I do like that Ozzy. Once he he's disappointed about that, he uh, uh, he yanks the the magnum, the gun from Barry. He goes, "My turn with the magnum." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Frank lays down a few ground rules about their attack. I just wish we didn't have to wear all this crap. Yeah, but you know what the rules are. When we work undercover, we have to remain faceless. I get it. Just in case we kill a lot of innocent people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so they're they're putting on, like, ski masks and things like that, which I imagine also helped in case one of the actors weren't available... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. No, it's uh, it's good forethought on that one. <laughs> but there, and there's a moment, and I never, I didn't understand this, and it was never explained. So I don't know if you know anything about this. Right? I don't know. I don't know anything about weapons or bullets or whatever. But there's a moment where Ozzy's filing down the heads of the bullets, and I have no idea why. I don't. I don't understand what that would do. Well, here's the thing about that, Mo. When you file down the heads of a, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say, I was going to get excited for a second. I'm like, oh, do you know? Because I don't know. Listeners, if you know, tell us and we'll immediately forget. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Seeing as I apparently can't even even remember what fucking movie we did on the last show. So whatever. This follows up with another really ridiculous line where Frank says that they're only allowed to use violence when there's a threat to planet Earth. Yeah. And Barry goes, and the moon. (laughs) <laughs> and the moon uh, and they uh, they mentioned that there is a code phrase that they have to use if an attack is happening right and it uh, it is this the bastards have landed the bastards have landed and as I mentioned a little bit ago the bastards have landed was the name of the Peter Jackson fan club that lasted I think right up until the late 1990s you know, and there's a great little uh, Doctor Who nod too. That's uh, right, right before this too, where he goes, uh, which is great for the time period because this would have been like heavy into the Tom Baker years. But um, he goes, he goes, well, they, they, you know, they might have shown up in a in a telephone box. <laughs> yeah, but it's a police box. I know, but you know, Mo, I, it's a police but, box. But the guy says telephone. <laughs> I know he does. <laughs> Um, we cut briefly to uh, Lord Crumb, the older alien gentleman, and in shadow we see his transformation uh, from alien. We still don't know what the alien looks like or the alien form of them back into a human. And uh, he, he, yeah, we just get sort of a quick look at the hand, right? Know? Which is again, it's like, well, I guess they're not going to pay off. No, they'll pay that off. Don't worry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so he goes out and he uh, basically does a speech to all the workers, telling them that they're going to leave the shitty planet tomorrow. Uh, and basically suggests that everyone stays in human form because they don't want to have any trouble before they leave. Exactly. So the boys only have 24 hours or less to get this taken care of. 
Uh, yeah, and so uh, so 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 we we cut back at this point to uh, to the boys <laughs> getting ready, and this is an, an just another <laughs> brilliant gag that we've seen other places, but you know works really well here too, where they like okay, everybody like synchronize our watches, you know, and uh, I forget what time he says it is. It's like right, right, one whatever, and one of them, and one of them goes, you know, uh, I forget who who does what, but like like either all of them either have no watch at all. Or or like they're just a completely different dive. Yeah, they, 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 and, and everybody's just like check. I love that they go check, and he's got no watch on. That's just the most amazing. No thing. watch at all. Yeah. So the boys, after dark, they go into the house and basically they break into the kitchen first of all, and there's blood all over the floor. And, yeah. And this is another, you know, it, it, there's a really famous scene in Dead Alive, aka uh, yeah. Brain Dead, where uh, Lionel, as you referred to earlier, Mo, he's trying to run away, but he can't because there's so much blood on the floor. <laughs> and uh, there's a little. Uh, That's one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. <laughs> I mean, that is like the defining moment of that movie, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, here, um, here, here they actually slip on the blood on the floor as well, a little precursor to that. Um, so they kind of cut back and forth to, between the boys and the speech that's going on in the other room. But one character uh, wanders, one of the aliens, wander into the room and they, uh, the boys immediately beat the shit out of him, lay him on the floor, and Ozzy pulls his head off. Just clear off. With, with the spinal cord still attached. Uh, 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 it was it Sub-Zero style. Yeah. <laughs> Sub-Zero style, Mo. Fatality. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, this <laughs> this does indeed lead to a, li- a line that I uh, I said earlier, but is also one of my favorites. But this is just a great moment, and uh, this is this is going to quick sidetrack. When I was in high school, I did a essay about how violence and humor could be intertwined in movies, right. and uh, I had a visual aid with that. Man, you really are a fucking nerd. yeah. I'm a Jesus nerd. Christ. Yeah. So what <laughs> so what I did is I had a visual aid, so I used two VCRs and. Uh, connected and and took scenes of violence from some of my favorite movies and TV shows and that were comedic and put them together and it, this was one of the scenes because what happens here is Ozzy has to get rid of this head that he's now pulled off he steps on the spinal cord pops the head off and kicks it out the window like a soccer ball yeah just soccer kicks it right out the window and this is what that sounds like oh that's gross gee they come to bits easy. Good of it. The old magic's still there. <laughs> <laughs> so he kicks the head out and just he, he just smiles and says, "The old magic the is old still magic there." Still there. <laughs> um, but they do come to bits easy. Yeah, these aliens fall apart very quickly. Uh, so in that other room where the speech is going on, we get a lot more elaboration about the fact that that humans are going to be um, marketed under Crumb's Country Delights. Uh, like a, a food distribution thing. Um, and, I mean, we get a lot of information that we kind of already know. You know, it kind of makes you wonder, now that I'm thinking about, like, the uh, the whole Crumbs Crunchy Delight thing, it makes you wonder how influenced the Oddworld games were yeah, by, right? by, this, by this movie. Because, mm-hmm. like, the plot lines seem almost identical to an extent. I like when he's listing the kinds of food that they're going to be making. One of them is like, <laughs> chewy homo nuggets. <laughs> um, so this leads to what is perhaps the grossest thing that happens in the movie. 
Oh yeah, and and one that a lot of people who have seen it have a little bit of trouble with. So <laughs> it's like the custard scene. That's from right. Dead alive. Yeah, that's exactly right. But it's but it's something that Peter Jackson does so well. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. Exactly. Um, so what happens here is Robert, played by Peter Jackson, is picked up by some of the other aliens and positioned over a big glass bowl. Well, we forget to mention that that uh, that Frank had donned one of the blue shirts and went out that's right pre- pretending he was the one who he has disguised himself yeah. cleverly as an alien by putting on by a putting blood on a blue soaked shirt. blue shirt yeah. like it's got blood all over the top of it but who cares and he yeah. goes out to kind of uh to see what's going on so peter jackson robert vomits all of this green shit Ugh. this goo into this big glass bowl with the idea that it will then be passed from alien to alien and they will drink from this Vomit, basically. I gotta tell you, man this this is what this is a really hard scene to watch. It's gross, man. It really. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, of course, as you may remember, Frank is is in that room and yeah. is and it keeps moving back back through the crowd, so it won't be his turn to have to drink the stuff. And there's this amazing moment where they cut to Ozzy, who's just watching him and laughing at the fact that he's gotta <laughs> he's gotta eat this vomit. Uh, and of course, the joke pays off. Perfectly anyway, because eventually Frank is pressured because like the aliens are staring at him. He drinks from it and goes, mmm, and he goes back for seconds. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, oh. <laughs> uh, there's actually a great moment where the uh where the 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 head alien uh he takes he because he they give him the first right drink and he goes "Ooh, i got a i got a uh, chunky a, bit a chunky bit yeah. <laughs> also while they're while they're eating this shit they're just burping constantly <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty funny so frank goes back to the kitchen with the rest of the guys and he goes you won't believe what i just had to do <laughs> Oh, did you, have, did you have to eat some Chuck? <laughs> uh, and at this moment, all the aliens decide that they're going to go to bed for the night. So you get a shot from the outside with all the lights turning off one by one. And people it's see- very um, Walton. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the lights go off. The, the, the boys immediately head to get the charity guy, right? So they knock. <laughs> they don't do it very quietly. They knock over the fucking barrel and all oh. the water pours everywhere. And... Then they cut him free and they head for the upstairs for like the front door, and it's already daylight outside. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I'm, like, so I'm looking at him like I guess it's the next day now. <laughs> like if they went there at like one a.m. and then the the, the 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 aliens went to sleep an hour later. <laughs> ah, it's New Zealand. You know, it's closer to the sun. I think. Sure. <laughs> so they're trying to get out the front door of the house, but now there are aliens guarding the 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 whole front what? area. Right, because what you have to remember is the day previous, none of the aliens had any weapons. Right, and that was one of the big things of the of the older alien speech was that everybody was going to be outfitted now with a gun, just in case. So now everybody's armed. Exactly. So uh, they are basically uh, facing the door, uh, facing out outside. And they're waiting there just to see, I guess, looking for a window that they can run out. But uh, they're, they're quite literally in the worst possible yes. place they could be because they're on the staircase between the front door, the upstairs where all their bedrooms are, and the kitchen where there are aliens in there as well. So, uh, and it eventually, 
but there's a great moment here where they kind of peek through one of the doors in the top and the and there's two aliens and they're playing like pat a cake yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> um and then finally uh there's a, a semi semi tense moment where one of the aliens comes out of the kitchen and uh seemingly using way more brain power than these <laughs> aliens actually tend to have um kind of realizes that they're on the stairs and goes to pull a gun on them and then it sort of that and that this is where, where the movie sort of starts to blow up yes and, uh, literally and this, and this is where the violence really begins so this guy this alien notices it there he tries to hide the fact that he notices them turns yeah. to shoot at them they shoot him first and then shit goes crazy everyone starts firing a bunch of aliens get shot right away um, and then the group splits up. Uh, I think Ozzy and uh, Giles go upstairs. The other two, they head outside, I think, and start killing people. Um, yeah. And, and um, there's actually a, a really kind of a weird moment where Ozzy um, faces down an alien and shoots him in the forehead, and the guy bleeds into a cup that he has there. I thought that was great. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great yeah. shot because when he shoots him in the head, it does that um, – that great blood spatter behind him where it kind of gives an outline of his head. Right. But there was a, uh, a thing hanging on the wall that gets knocked off when the, when the bullet hits it to add that whole extra right. awesome effect of realism. Uh, so now that. there's this blood splatter on the wall, except in this one circle where there was a thing hanging on there. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. So while this uh, craziness is occurring, Derek wakes up once again. And uh, <laughs> because Bad things have to happen to Derek. Yeah, uh, fucking bird shits right on his face. Bird shits on his face immediately. <laughs> so he wakes up. He gets into the car and drives out of the kind of bush that he's hidden it in. And, and this is where we realize that his car is completely bonkers. It is so. I love how it's such a non sequitur. Like, there's no reason yeah. for it to be. No, it's it. This is this is like Monty Python level humor. Exactly. Right here, where it's just it makes no fucking sense. And it's fucking hilarious. So the driver's seat of this car is sort of mounted higher than it normally would be. Yeah. Because instead of the driver being visible from the outside, the four Beatles from the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band have been positioned as the drivers of the car at all times. (laughs) And it almost makes you wonder, like, if he got any shit over that. Yeah, right? You know? Using the images? Yeah, those are trademark licensed, you know, like, those are... Copyright. I mean, yeah. it's so fucking crazy. I love it how it doesn't play into anything. It's just no, this one just extra fair. bit of weirdness. No, the only thing it does is is help maybe play into uh, giving you a little more in depth uh, idea of Derek's level of um, paranoia. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> but it's it's a great gag. So back to the house, and there's tons and tons of shooting. Like there's squibs everywhere. It's like uh, Troma's War out there. It's there's just lots and lots of gunplay. Troma's War. <laughs> hey, it even has an AIDS joke like Troma's War. That's um, true. And uh, there's one great gag where Frank almost—I mean, Frank almost gets shot. Like he's like he just rolls out of the way, and there's sh- a gun uh, uh, squibs that go off right where he was like a half dozen times. Right. And then he just unloads into a tree. And uh, there's this great gag where bodies just start falling out of it. I think like six. Yeah, there's like six of them, yeah. Six bodies just fall out of the tree. But there's another great moment too. And I, like, and I, I feel like we're going to be saying there's a great moment, you know, like a million <laughs> more times in this episode. Because the rest of the movie is just a great fucking yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a moment where, where Frank pulls up his, his ski mask, pops his cigar into his mouth, and then pulls the <laughs> ski mask back down again. 
he's grizzled you see yeah. <laughs> they uh, the, so the action is happening so on the on the front lawn uh, we have Barry and Frank, and they're they're shooting a bunch of aliens uh, on sort of this veranda off of the side of the uh, oh uh, a veranda a veranda a car hole uh, <laughs> no but uh, up on the second floor of the building we have Ozzy and Giles and they're outside now they so they they're kind of facing towards the uh, lawn and right. uh, then the cook arrives and him and Ozzy have a little standoff. Yeah, it's great because the chef ends up knocking the gun because Ozzy runs out of bullets. So he's right. going to reload his gun and the chef has a knife like a machete or something mm-hmm. and uh, knocks the gun out of his hand and then knocks the clip out of his hand. And they sort of have uh, and he ends up losing the machete. Uh, so they have like a tussle. Uh, but there's a great moment where the chef sort of bear hugs him. And, yes. And then yeah. another alien comes up and puts him in a full Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and it's, that's great, too, because. Uh, the cook goes to slice Ozzy, but Ozzy kind of flips back over the alien, and so the the cook ends up slicing the stomach of the alien that was holding on to him. In an, in yet another fucking really great visual effect. And speaking of a great visual effect, this leads into Ozzy grabbing the cook and throwing him off this this this. I mean, I called it a veranda. It's the only thing I could really think of throwing. Yeah, but he t- immediately becomes a dummy and just hits the ground with this wonderful thump. <laughs> I like how it, it it isn't like actually high enough that it probably would kill someone anyway. Yeah, but he falls so so goofily. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a great dummy moment. It's uh, I, you know yeah, it's a great dummy moment, but just a really anticlimactic. Yeah, no because, kidding, right? Because it's like they're having this real sort of epic battle, you know, and then just he just uh, whoop <laughs> just tossed him <laughs> over like he's nothing. Except the guy's twice the dude's size. So while that's happening, the uh, uh, Giles, the charity guy, he actually gets captured, um, and um, we we get shots. There's lots of other aliens getting shot. Um, Derek, who's actually arrived near the location because he could hear the gunfire, he actually almost gets shot by errant gunfire because he's so close. Uh, yeah. And in fact, his hat gets shot off his which, head, which of course causes him to immediately collapse. Very comically. Exactly. So uh, the Giles has been captured by the aliens. They take him downstairs. But Ozzy climbs down from the top and uh, and kills the alien that was a, was about to actually murder Giles. Uh, yeah, it was really an, actually a great a great moment. Uh, they have uh, Giles on his knees and he's about to uh, shoot him in the head. And uh, Ozzy kind of like climbs over the edge of the uh, of the terrace or whatever right. he's on. Terrace, yeah. that's a much better... There we go, and uh, and uh, and shoots the alien in the head who was trying to kill uh, Giles. So he, I, he says, "I bet that cleared his sinuses." <laughs> <laughs> and then another alien uh, points its gun at Ozzy, but Frank shoots that one. So the boys are all together at this point, except for right. Derek, who is who is uh, unconscious and shaking. Well, um, yeah, because nobody knows that Derek. Everybody still thinks Derek's dead. Yeah, as they would, you know, because he did fall to his death. He did fall to his death the the concept of death in this movie seems a little um iffy iffy anyway because like even uh before something happens a little bit later they collect all the bodies of the people to bring with them so i guess you know i guess even with the aliens who knows if this is like permanent death for them right uh so 
we then cut to the car that Derek was driving, and it's shaking as if someone is having sex in the back seat. But it's not that. It's just that Derek's foot is on the edge of it and is convulsing <laughs> because his brains are falling out of his skull. <laughs> oh, you may. Yes. Uh, so Derek uh, then finds a permanent solution for his skull problems. He takes off his belt and wraps it around his head and that and <laughs> discovers that he has stepped on a piece of his brain that I guess he will not be putting back into his he's, skull. He's so disappointed when he loses that. I know, of... right? That was the good bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we, we cut back again, Ozzy and Frank. There's a, the thing where they like shoot a barrel and a, and a alien falls out from behind it. Um, well, it's great too, because it's, um, you know, again, another very Monty Python-esque bit, you know, where it's like how not to hide, you know, like it's just this open thing and there's just a barrel there. Right, exactly. And, and they're being shot at by an alien from that direction. <laughs> where so could he be? So it's pretty fucking clear where he's hiding. So they just shoot Would the Would you stand of up, please? <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Um, but yeah, so so they shoot the hell out of the barrel and he, and he falls out from behind it. It's fucking great. So uh, this leads to uh, Derek has now gotten inside the car and is driving it. Uh, and he's like in the woods. He sees an alien in the middle of the woods. He, uh, the alien <laughs> tries to shoot him but drops his clip. I guess that's just a common thing that happens. And yeah. then he gets plowed. Like he gets walloped and immediately <laughs> gets sliced in half at the midsection. Uh, <laughs> which allows him to do that great effect where the alien is buried up to, like a person is buried up to their waist. But it yeah. looks like they've been cut in half. But they do a really good job on it because they've they've um, they've added on a little bit to his torso. So right. when he leans to his side, you can see the bottom of it. It actually is a pretty great effect. It's a great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, but I love how I love how uh, so 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 Derek hops out of the car and he wants to finish off the alien. Yes. Uh, so he, he punches some numbers in a uh, in a compartment and pulls a calculator. chainsaw. <laughs> I had a calculator, yeah, and uh, pulls out a chainsaw, which is going to uh, play very heavily in the rest. Uh-huh. Of but um, but the alien, in, in an attempt to stop uh, Derek, just starts tossing pine cones at him. Effectively, but, but it's super effective. <laughs> so the first thing he does, he throws the acorn. Oh yeah, I think it's either a pine cone or an acorn. Pine, yeah, pine, yeah, pine cone. cone hits hits Derek in the head, and he fucking almost falls down <laughs> from the yeah. reaction. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how because he got hit by the pine cone, he decides he's not going to chainsaw the guy after all, and just yeah. decides to walk away. And the, the alien throws another <laughs> acorn at him, and. Uh, uh. Pine cone. Whatever. Shut the fuck up. They're not the same thing. I know they're not. <laughs> he throws another one at him, and, and he reacts again. It almost knocks him out. He has well, a sensitive skull. Well, I mean, now he does. <laughs> I love it. So uh, we're, we're actually heading towards the climax of the movie now. Yeah. All yeah. the shit is in place. Yeah, um, we're, in the, we're in the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie at this yeah. point. Uh, so... Um, the old man is now uh, he's now outside. He's actually got a pistol that he's found, um, and uh, there there's just a lots more gunplay taking place on the lawn. Um, I mentioned earlier that they do the Dawn of the Dead uh, machete trick, where they yeah. where they you know you have, you have a cut out piece of the machete. Uh, again, in the documentary, uh, they show how they they did that. We all know how they did that, but it's actually not even like how Tom Savini did it in Dawn of the Dead. This isn't a real machete with a piece cut out. It's actually a piece of cardboard that has been made to look like a machete. It's it looks like a machete. It looks like a machete. So yeah. it's yeah. movie magic. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, this leads up to Robert the alien, played by Peter Jackson. He almost gets the um, he almost gets uh, one up on Barry. He he almost he comes up behind him and is going to shoot him, but Barry throws the machete he has and it embeds through Robert's neck and somehow pins him to a wall above the ground. It, hey, whatever. Yeah, it's it's, it's awesome. Yes, um, I love how the Robert. Uh, is dying. He just about he he dies in just a second. But before he does, he shoots the gun that's in his hand and ends up actually hitting the old man with it. <laughs> the, the the Lord Crumb. Yeah. Um, I but I I love how like my I think one of my favorite things like as as we're talking about this it it, it sort of dawns on me. But um, not that it didn't while I was watching the movie. But I I love the fact that like just everybody there, there's there's no single person in this movie where you'd be like this guy is clearly the the hero that's right you know nothing nothing he does is wrong every single person in this movie from the from the head bad guy to the lowest bad guy to any of the boys <laughs> you know they every single one of them fucks up constantly and they survive by luck alone the yeah. whole time yeah right? the it's only reason why the only reason why any of them survive is because the other people are just as fucked as they are <laughs> so uh after the uh lord crumb gets shot um before um before robert dies he hits the ground and he starts to convulse and this is the part of the movie where they all transform into aliens yes and now this there's a there's there's a brief transformation sequence where you see the the man the old man uh, his head start to distend and blow up and uh, him kind of forming into the alien but then we just suddenly see him in alien form and it is magnificent it's glorious it's, it is so beautiful it really is one of the again another little piece of behind the scenes trivia is that. Uh, Peter Jackson didn't create the look of these aliens from like a sketch or anything like that. He mm-hmm. took a giant piece of plasticine and started to, uh, to to sculpt it until he got the head that he wanted. And that's what they went with. It's Well, they did a great job. It he looks... says he works best in three dimensions because he's some kind of genius, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> so it's hard to describe. Um, yeah, and like he baked – like the latex masks in his mother's oven. And he said that it just barely could fit in there, which is why the top of the masks are pretty flat because it was up against, like there's no room to fit the rest of the mask in. <laughs> um, the masks themselves, they look kind of like, um, I don't know. I, they're almost like a, a really distended skull because like the nose of it is, is just like kind of two holes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're awesome. And the best part about the alien costume is that their ass cheeks have busted out of their jeans, so they're all hanging out the back of the jeans. Yeah, well, I mean, it's really clever how, like, uh, how, how, like, they basically, uh, they, how they, the costume, so they don't have to do full body prosthetics or anything right? like that. Like, there's just bits of uh, that have busted out of the uh, the clothing. So, like, like elbows and like shoulders, or the mask, or the knees, and of course the buttocks. The buttocks, and of course. Which- and it's and it's hilarious and effective. Yeah, a great combination. Yeah. There's probably there's probably a good half dozen uh, sometimes at once of these suits that you see. Like there's there's it's not like there's just one or two. There's usually right. about four on screen. Yeah. Um, so while this is happening, the boys all run off because they have Giles. They uh, I guess they they feel like at this point they they have to get reinforcements, but uh, that doesn't last long. No. <laughs> Though as they run off, uh, they have this little quick piece of dialogue. Daddy, what the hell is that? 
I like how they don't like Giles for no particular reason. <laughs> I like the fact that they went out of their way to save him, yet hate him. <laughs> um, so the... Um, Basically, at this point, because there isn't that many suits, the old man tells three of the aliens to head after the boys, and the rest of the, them are supposed to kind of collect the bodies and pile them onto the ship. This is when it really gets defined that that house that they're on is their ship. Yeah. Um, and so the boys are all running into the forest, and they pile into a car, and they drive off um, uh, as the aliens, who almost reach them, they just sh- uh, flip them off. <laughs> they shoot them at first, and then they just flip them off because that is the ultimate weapon. <laughs> that's that's why it made the poster, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, they don't get too far because, like, one of the aliens uh, shoots up the front of their car. That's right. And, and they, uh, they 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 get a little ways down the road, and before the car starts to uh, just well stop working, and uh, Frank decides, or Ozzy, I should say, That's decides right. decides uh, he's had enough of it. He's going to go back and stop him. Uh, has everybody else go to find a phone to to call for backup. Um, but there's a great moment here where uh, so Ozzy runs back to the car because he's going to get the <laughs> box, you know. <laughs> And and when when I saw him go back to the car and like he has this like Ozzy just has this look of pure childlike joy on his face <laughs> as he's opening up the trunk to get the box and we see a couple of the aliens uh, uh, coming up uh, to to the car so he hides out until they get there um, and then runs off and uh, th- th- this is the only this is one of the only moments in the film where I have any complaints at all is. The aliens get to the car, you know, and 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 uh, and Ozzy runs off with the box, but he doesn't run that far, right? You know, he's only like, you know, twenty, thirty feet away from them, and then and but he can't get the lock off the box, so he <laughs> so he shoots it off. But they don't even notice and they at all. Even, they don't even notice. But then there's a moment a, f- a few seconds later where they're in the car listening to heavy metal music, you know, the aliens. Like, why didn't they just show the aliens listening to the heavy metal music first? Oh, you're right. That would you be Because they don't like the heavy metal music. Like They, they look like they, that it's bothering them. Yeah. But it's, it's a really interesting moment, too, because the aliens, like you said, they get inside the car. Yeah. And then they're like little kids. They're like pretending to drive it. Yeah. And, uh, like moving the moving the steering wheel back and forth. Yeah. But uh, but Ozzy does indeed shoot the lock off the box. And what does he find inside the box? Oh, man. He finds a rocket-propelled grenade launcher. And it is... Fucking amazing! I'm just gonna call it a rocket launcher for the sake of simplification. For the yeah, I, I call it an RPG. He shoots a fucking rocket out of it. He shoots a rocket at them, <laughs> and uh, it's fan fucking fantastic. It's it's a really good looking rocket launcher, by the way. Like it yeah. looks, it's way better than that piece of pipe when we used in rock paper scissors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I you know, uh, the, the, I mean, like the, this is this is the 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 toughest bit of like uh, weaponry for them to to deal with because there it's really obvious when when he fires the rocket off that it's just <laughs> that it's just like a fucking like bottle rocket on a string sort of situation. It's, it's actually I think it's on a piece of fishing line. That yeah, they're yeah, you know. So so you don't see the fishing line. It works. You know, it really does look like like a rocket going, but it's but because of the way it waves on. The, <laughs> on it, like it's pretty obvious that uh, that that's what it is, 
But uh, nonetheless, you know, he fires off a rocket at the car. The entire car fucking explodes. <laughs> and it's great, too, because they cut to Frank not too far after uh, who looks back. He goes, that was my car. <laughs> <laughs> So there's three rockets that are launched in this movie, and they are all absolutely fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah. the, the third, probably the most so. Oh, yes. So uh, the aliens actually see the smoke pour up from the exploded car, and they think that that's actually the, the boys being killed by the aliens that they sent after them. Uh, but uh, while, while they're kind of uh, smug about, uh, about things, Ozzy arrives at the back of the house with the rocket launcher, and then he shoots the second rocket. And what and, happens here? And th- this is the one, this is probably the most impressive one because I, like, honestly, again, because it'd been 15, 16 years sure. since the last time I saw this, I had actually completely forgotten about this scene. Right. So he fires it at the house and the whole fucking corner of the house just explodes. Right. And it is such a good effect. Like it's it's because I'm assuming he did that with a miniature. I could only imagine he you know he's not blowing up a house you know, uh, and it just it looks so goddamn good. Like it is this model and the model. It's not even hard to call it a model because it. I can't remember the size specifications, but it was like um, they they built a replication of the house. Yeah. That that was about the size of a shack or like a small shed. Right. So it was huge. It was still really big. Yeah. Because it's still a, you, it's still a miniature though. Yeah. But it was still a minute, and then they also made smaller versions for stuff that's going to happen in just a little bit. But then, yeah, then they blew up a corner, and then they had to convincingly make it so that corner was still blown up for the rest of the movie, right? So every time they showed the house, they had to to to, to uh, photograph it in a certain way so they're showing the model and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really amazing. It's that absolutely effect. amazing how how good that is. I'm going to guess that a lot of that film grant money that they ended up getting to complete, that probably went towards making some of this model work. Probably. Yeah, probably. it's something else. So, yeah, he blows up a whole corner of it. Oh, by uh, the by the way, I, sh- I, sh- I just want to clarify this because we mentioned it earlier in the film, uh, earlier in the, in the, in the show. Um, by the way, after Ozzy launches the, uh, the rocket at the house... Um, this is oh no! After he blows up the car, this is the moment where uh, Giles introduces himself. Yes, that's right. He's... So we're we're an hour and fifteen minutes into the film. The I like film, how the... the film's only like an hour and twenty five minutes, and we're now learning the character. The, the no. movie kind of makes a joke of it because he goes, "Hi, I'm Giles Copeland," and yeah. Barry goes, "I'm Barry. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> I also love that after they blow up that part of the house, Frank shows up because he goes back as well to help Ozzy. Right, and he goes, "Jesus, Oz, what are you doing?" That's as a historical homestead, which I mean, the place actually was a historical homestead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they now Frank and Ozzy are together, uh, and in fact, uh, you can forget about Giles and Barry; they're pretty much done for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, and we uh, we did we have, we talked about the the soundtrack briefly. It's very synthy, but there is a theme song for Bad Taste that plays over the closing credits, and we're going to talk about that in some detail in just a little bit, but there are there are orchestrated versions of that song that play throughout the movie, like there's a sad version of it, but here is the action version of that song, plays in the background as they decide to go in and kill the remaining aliens. You're right. Um, yeah. Oh, and while they're doing that, by the way, Derek finally, finally joins the action and arrives with the chainsaw, bumbling around like a fucking idiot. But there's a great moment here, too, where, where we sort of, like, because basically they're, 
um, you know, like uh, Frank and, and Ozzy are, are in there sort of, sort of, you know, doing it up, doing their thing. And uh, and nobody seems to notice that there's somebody at like the side of the building, like <laughs> ch- chainsawing. <laughs> but there's a gr- but but probably my favorite one of my favorite reveals, like maybe ever, uh, is when 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 uh, they cut back to the from the inside of the house, and and Derek <laughs> kicks in the hole that he just created, and it's like a, it's a Derek shaped hole. Yeah, with the, with the edge with, of the chainsaw and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally Daffy Duck. Right, I mean, it's it it's, really is. It's very Looney Tunes. It's so good. And he comes in, uh, like Ozzy and Frank. There's like a whole bunch of like small alien gags. There's one where Ozzy does like the Popeye punch on one of their faces and knees him in the crotch, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and uh, Derek, he comes uh, in and slices an alien to pieces, basically with like body parts flying everywhere until it's just uh, a bottom half of a torso on the ground, and he kicks that in the nuts <laughs> because <laughs> because of course he does. Yeah. Uh, but that leads into uh, a, a really fascinating thing that happens. What the hell was he thinking? You know, maybe, well, maybe he lost the piece of his brain that controls that level of thinking. But yeah, so he reaches he reaches down and steals a piece of one of the aliens that he had just sliced up uh, is one of <laughs> part of their brain opens up the back of his head and just shoves it in there. And like, and like this piece that he puts in is so much bigger than, right. than the space available that it's just oozing out the side of the wound. And he just belts his head back up. Yep. It's fine. Now he knows their whole plans. Cause yeah. he's, he's added their brains to his. I love how even uh, Lord Crumb is surprised by what he sees when he does this. And he goes like this. Holy shit. <laughs> um and uh at this point ozzy and frank uh there's a there's a moment where ozzy is gonna have like a fist fight with one of the aliens but frank shows up and just shoots him in the head the alien not ozzy um and that's (laughs) when they discover that Derek is still alive because he so that the the, uh, an alien is kind of against the wall and it starts to shake a little bit and we see that a chainsaw has gone through the wall and is now slicing is he's clefting his head in twain <laughs> they cut his fucking head in half that's yeah, i was gonna say that's that though that's two ways of saying the exact same thing but yeah it's fucking great and uh in a brief uh tribute to the shining um derek pokes his head through the uh the the slice that he's made and this is how this goes Holy oh shit. that's not how it goes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Derek has indeed gone apeshit at this point. He really has. Yeah, he's so he is so over the edge and over the top. Like at, at this point, it's it's like it's you're just laughing. You can't yeah. stop. It's like I like I watched this at work last night. And, uh, I mean, I had customers coming out and be like, what are you watching? <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain to them. It's like, yeah, you know, the guy who did Lord of the Rings, uh, yeah, yeah. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Well, he started his career <laughs> in a, in a very different place. So this then leads to one of the more infamous moments in this movie. And when I said, I put together that kind of video compilation of humorous violence, this was the centerpiece of that little compilation. I love this. So what happens is uh, Ozzy and Frank run outside 
the old man, uh, he shoots outside and actually ends up shooting Ozzy in the leg. Yeah. He And he falls down. Frank uh, runs over and grabs the rocket launcher, turns around, and shoots it towards the old man. Yeah, and in the, and and, and uh, in you know classic ineptness of this film, right? Uh, or not the film, I should say, of the people in the film. Uh, the rocket proceeds to go uh, and not only miss uh, the head alien, but then. Uh, but then in, in a really great move, uh, it's heading right towards Derek and Derek just kind of sidesteps it. Right. Because you can sidestep a fucking rocket. <laughs> um, and the rocket goes right through the Derek shaped hole behind <laughs> him <laughs> and proceeds to, and, and probably the most, the most New Zealand joke in this entire movie <laughs> proceeds to just blow the ever loving shit out of a sheep. Yeah, they show the sheep, they cut to a wide shot, and it just fucking just, explodes. Boom. Yeah, it's tremendous. And again, I know a lot of you listeners have seen this uh, particular sequence many times before, but I'll tell you what, it's still great. It and, holds up. It's still just as funny as it ever was. <laughs> Probably, I think, you know, top five greatest moments in cinema history. We're, it, we're right here, yeah. It's one of them, yeah. It's like that, Citizen Kane's Rosebud, you know, it's... So Lord Crumb then kicks Derek in the nuts so hard that he hits his head off the top of a door frame. Very Three Stooges moment there. And of, and, course, and of course, because Derek hit his head, he's now kind of writhing. That's right. And then the the alien lead alien Lord Crumb runs to a room which is a cockpit for the ship. How you and, said cockpit. And then, using a hand crank. He starts. <laughs> yeah, he starts. He starts cranking in the lawn. <laughs> yes, he starts pulling in the lawn, which goes underneath the house. This is so. I mean, so inventive and so crazy that they it's... even thought they could do this. So it's all like astroturf outside, and it's all getting pulled in yeah. because the ship is getting ready to take off. And of course, because Frank and Ozzy are outside, they're getting sucked in as well. Um, so we have to have that hero moment now. Sure. So because Ozzy's Ozzy is hurt, so yeah, he can't Ozzy's you know lamed out. You know he's hurt leg. Uh, so Frank comes and he saves he saves Ozzy just in time before he gets sucked under the house. Um, let's see what is it? Oh uh, yeah, and then, there's, and then there's a great moment where they cut back in, like right after that, they cut back into the uh, into the <laughs> cockpit and the and the Isaac cockpit. Haha, I said it this time. Uh, and the old alien is is just struggling to put on his seatbelt. I like how it wouldn't be designed to go around the alien form that they all live in. <laughs> but that then leads to the house taking off. Yep. It it is a rocket ship and it blasts into the air and it is an amazingly well done effect. It, it is really good. It's so good. Yeah, I mean they they did this with miniatures but it's just yeah, I mean, it's it really is mind blowing what they were, what they even thought they could get away with, and the fact that they did get away with it is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's a very ambitious film, and everything they set out to do, just I mean, like for the most part, comes off just spectacularly. So Ozzy is hurt, uh, and uh, Frank, uh, you know, they've watched this thing blast off. Frank gives him one of his cigars. And Ozzy goes because I don't smoke, <laughs> and so he takes the cigar back. I love it. Little joke, um, and you might think this is the end, but it's not the end yet. Nope, not yet. Derek is on the ship, on the house, and he looks out the window. And this is so ridiculous—the idea of this window. He's looking out, and he sees Earth get smaller and smaller <laughs> behind him. <laughs> <laughs> 
so the uh, the uh, Lord Crumb in alien form, uh, he's on the phone. I love that he's on like a like a, like just an old like room yeah. phone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he hears uh, the sound of the chainsaw, and he goes off to investigate. And we find and- we find out why all the other aliens are so stupid because they're just like third tier laborers. Exactly, he doesn't even care that they all got killed yeah. anyway. Because, <laughs> so uh, he's- we lost all the scummy laborers, but we're I've managed to get some great samples. So they really want to end this thing with a bang. And, you know, even after all the special effects that have happened, they do find a really impressive way to pay everything off. This, this is like when, when I think about this movie, this is the scene. This is the moment right. that I that I always remember. Like I have like I had forgotten so much about this movie to the point that I actually for a second thought that when I think about this scene that I'm thinking about a different movie. Oh, right. <laughs> because I, because it, I, it takes place so late in the movie that I'm like, and I hadn't seen it to that point. I'm like, am I even thinking of the same movie? But there's a, this is, this is just so killer. So, so of course, Derek is still in the house, you know, that the, the, uh, the, the ship, I guess I should say. Sure. You know, it takes off. Um, I mean, how it still has structural integrity when the whole fucking corner. You of should it really just relax. But, no, you know, yeah, I shouldn't even think about it. But <laughs> you should really just relax. Um, so, so Derek's still in the house. Uh, you know, and the old, the old alien Crumb uh, uh, hears the chainsaw running, so he goes to uh, investigate, so to speak, and. Um, and so he he ends up going into this room and he looks up and he realizes that like a circle had been cut out of the ceiling above him and the and the, you know the whole piece falls down um and it's and it's Derek standing in there and he he just he delivers this fucking brilliant line suck my spinning steel shit hit yes and there's a little little bit of audio about what's yeah. going on, yep, you can yep. probably guess. So he, so I, I, so yeah, so he like dives, mm. he dives in, but he doesn't so much dive as he just sort of falls through the hole, right? And just and just uh, chainsaw first, you know, like like almost exactly what they stole in the first Sharknado film, where Ian Ziering kind of goes into the shark and cuts his right. way out. But um, so so he goes through the head straight on through. Uh, and, and we, we get a shot, uh, from between Crom's legs and the, the chainsaw comes out right. and then, uh, and then we see Derek pushing himself through the alien. It's, he basically hollows out the alien yeah. from the inside, yeah. pushes himself out through the crotch and lays there in a pile of blood and, uh, and guts yep. and look, and then stares right at the camera yeah. and says, Little fourth wall breaking moment there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of of uh, movies breaking, like like when they're especially when they're serious through the whole thing. Then there's just one moment where they break the fourth wall. Right, I love it. <laughs> so uh, we we see. I mean that that spectacular effect. I mean it's really it really is incredibly well done. There's one really quick shot where it's a the body of the alien is standing, and at that moment there's a Peter Jackson head kind of poking out from its crotch, but the head at that moment is a fake head, but then it cuts to the real head of him coming out of the bottom. I mean, it is, the the editing there is pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that then cuts to a shot of the alien house spinning throughout the galaxy right next to Saturn. 
<laughs> they actually did that effect by putting a model on a record player. Oh. Uh, yeah, isn't that something? Yeah, and, that's neat. And then we see Derek wearing the skin of the alien that he just killed, saying, I'm coming to get you, bastards. Oh, boy, that was a, that was the worst New Zealand accent yet. He says, I'm coming to get you, bastards. <laughs> Doesn't sound the same. And then the closing theme hits. It needs to be more adenoidal. <laughs> I'm coming to get you, bastards. That's no. actually, that was actually better. Um, and then the closing theme hits, the title theme of bad taste and we uh over that we actually see the um the boys the rest of the boys on earth getting back together again and driving off but uh but unfortunately at this point no bad taste too but we do have this incredible closing theme song what do you think about this song mo i love it i love it a lot well, let's just hear a little bit of it oh yes yeah so it, you know we we see the the group uh, we see Barry and Giles. They put out their thumbs uh, and get picked up by the other two. Uh, but uh, that is in, as much in the Beatle in the Beatles car. In the Beatles car. That's right. Since yeah. the other one was blown up real good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Okay. That's, uh, maybe I shouldn't have started at the beginning there. But you should check out the song. I posted it over on the uh, No Budget Nightmares Facebook page as well. Did you notice anything interesting about the closing credits, Mo? Um, well, that basically the cast and the crew are the same people. Yes, and in fact, all the uh, all the main cast also played aliens at some point as well. Yep, and that he uh, thanks his mom and dad. Mom and dad, picture of them over on the Facebook group as well. Yep, uh, and I don't think anything else. I mean, I'm sure there's other stuff, but I... I oh, ye of little eyes. I'm, I always miss the closing credits stuff. There are some familiar names here. I, I was at work, too. <laughs> there are some familiar names if you're fans of Peter Jackson's later work. Uh, Jamie Selkirk, who uh, worked on this, also was the editor for the Lord of the Rings movie. He continued to work with Peter Jackson. Uh, you'll notice Frances Walsh's name in the credits as well. She would later become Peter Jackson's writing partner for all of his projects. And I think that they... I don't know what their relationship is, actually. It always was a little bit uh, ephemeral to me. But the very final thing that it says is... Any similarity with persons oh. living or dead is an accident. Sorry. <laughs> or sorry, as you Americans say. Yes. How we correctly say. As you correctly say. <laughs> I, 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 I switch it up. I like to switch it up. Well, yeah. You're multicultural. Bad Taste? I don't want to be controversial, but pretty good movie. What? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be controversial, but this movie that everybody thinks is great is great. Um, Mo... I want you to rank the Peter Jackson movies up to the Frighteners. Up to Frighteners? Yeah. After the Frighteners, it was Lord of the Rings and everything got a little yeah, bit yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. so, so, so bad taste to the Frighteners. Rank them. Be- best to worst? Yes. Let's go best to worst. Okay. Uh, the, the number one spot would be a tie between uh, Dead Alive and Meet the Feebles. Those are my two favorites of his. Right. Then bad taste, um, then probably the frighteners, and then probably heavenly creatures, wow. which I which I still love. You know, keep keep in mind that all of these, like if you're if there if this was on like a scale, like all of these would be just I mean next to each other because honestly, between bad taste and and the frighteners, I like adore all of those movies. So it's not like it's not like there's any huge gaps between any of this stuff. It's just I'd probably put Heavenly Creatures last, although it's probably his most fucked up movie. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up in a lot of ways. And I mean, yeah, it's, it, but it's, it's so different. Yeah, it's so different from his from his other stuff. 
Um, you know, but yeah, I, you know, I, I adore it just as much as I adore, you know, bad taste or, or, or meet the feebles. They're all really great, but that's probably where I'd rank them. I adore me more. Oh God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I would probably, uh, I'd have a pretty, pretty close ranking. You, you didn't mention forgotten silver. The, uh, I, you know what? I totally, I totally forgot forgotten silver, but, uh, but I, I was just trying to hold that over to your head. Yeah. Uh, I, so, so that would probably rank last, but again, not by much. Yeah. I probably put brain dead at the top. I'd actually probably put bad taste. Number two, heavenly creatures. Number three, meet the feebles. Number four, frighteners. Number five, uh, and uh, and Forgotten Silver at the bottom there. But yeah, you're, all of those are very worthwhile movies. And yeah. honestly, uh, at, at least when it comes to Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, and Dead Alive, a.k.a. Braindead, they're must-watches. If you're a cult movie fan, you kind of have to have seen them. Absolutely, yeah. They're, they're Yeah, all three of those are, without a doubt, just absolute must sees, you know. And I, I would say, I mean, like like Peter Jackson, like, but like his pre-King Kong stuff is is like like that level of of filmmaking for me is right up there with uh you know with terry gilliam for me right up there with uh you know with all my other favorites like i you know i mean i i would throw in like verhoven but he has some some serious misses (laughs) you know i love paul verhoven i'm a huge paul verhoven fan but man does he have some misses i mean you could make the case that terry gilliam has a few misses himself but uh but at least his visual style is always really interesting no matter what he's working terry gilliam has a miss you know, I mean, the Brothers Grimm is a is a colossal pile of shit. But I mean, everything else, I'm I'm a big fan of. But I know other people who don't like like Tideland or like I love Tideland. See, I, I see, I love Tideland too. I think it's one of his best fucking movies. But I'm not I'm, a I'm not a big fan of the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Okay, um, and uh, his most recent one, the one with uh, Christoph Waltz, I yeah. didn't really love that either. Really. Yeah, the Zero Theorem. That's the one. Yeah, no, it's yeah. See, I'm a big fan. But I, I'll take it. I'll take an interesting Terry Gilliam movie over almost anything else. And people, Tideland is so underrated. Really, really great. Movie. It really is. I like. I, I heard people talking shit about it not too long ago, and I'm like, how? Like, what's wrong with you? Uh, people, people really. I mean, they responded very negatively when that came out. Remember, I don't know if you recall, but like the, the DVD version of Tideland has an introduction with Terry Gilliam basically saying, that. "You didn't understand my movie." This is it's really good. You should watch it again and understand why it's so good. Right. I like it when Terry Gilliam yells at me because it feels I, like he cares. Yeah, yeah, no. He he's such a curmudgeon. It's great. Mo, but anyway, anyway, back to uh <laughs> back to our podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh. I am for real. There you go. Uh, I I figured you were waiting for that. Make it do- okay. Uh on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast, Mo, will be striking in the new year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, Mo, during the recording of an episode, by the time we get to the end, you have forgotten what movie we were going to be discussing. I, I would say it's way more often than not. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this time, however, I do remember uh, we are going to be covering on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. We are going to be watching Slime City. 1988's Slime City. I recently put a call out on the No Budget Nightmares Facebook group to see if uh, you know if there were any filmmakers that we hadn't uh, touched upon yet, if there were any biggies that we had yet to go with. I also asked, by the way, if people were more interested in us covering really obscure movies or more well-known low-budget work. I think generally people like us to cover the obscure stuff, but uh, from the considering I'm the person who knows how many downloads these episodes get, I can tell you that we have to throw in some of the more well-known ones because they get a lot more listeners and they bring new listeners 
in. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, whatever. I, I you know, we, we tend to go back and forth between the obscurities and the, oh, yes. and the more well known stuff, anyway. So I mean, we you, you get a good. Uh, 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 mix, mix. Thank you. <laughs> that's two. That, that's the three-letter word I was missing. 2016 will find many obscure, low-budget, no-budget uh, films, but we're going to start things off with 1988's Slime City, directed by Greg Lamberson. That will be an exciting one. Yeah, and I promise a full, a, a new year of uh, more yawning and vaping yeah. and uh, and and Doug laughing like a Mo, like a hyena. Mo was probably at his most awake. I've encountered in many a month on this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I was uh, I was on point today. I, there you I, go. I had already watched the movie. I had already taken all my notes. I got, you were awake I, for a good two hours before we started recording. Yep, yep. I can't. I can't. I got home from from work this morning. Went right to bed. Three hours later, <laughs> and uh, and managed to get like a good five hours of sleep, and was up for a couple of hours before. I, I ate some food, I drank some water, I was I was prepared. Mo, if people want to find out more about the I, no I still I still yawned quite a bit during oh, yeah, this, this episode too, but I I was able to mute my mic for most of those. Oh, sweet, uh, Mo! If people want to find out more about the No Budget Nightmares podcast, what's the best way for them to do so? Oh, they should hop over onto Facebook. Hit um, us up. Hit us up at facebook.com slash groups slash no budget nightmares, one word. Or do a search for no budget nightmares on Facebook. You can also pop over to nobudgetpodcast.com. Check out our previous, uh, I can't remember how many there are, many, many episodes. We're in the, are, I want to we're in the 70s. Yeah, I think now. we might be. And you can also subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your bag is at that time. You can find Mo over on Twitter at drunkonvhs, all one word. And you can find me, of course, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. E-Y. Uh, Mo, before we finish up here today, uh, I'm actually, unfortunately, I'm not sure that we're going to be getting a Rue song. We're going to hope we get one. And if uh, we don't have it attached to this episode, you'll certainly find it over on the Facebook group. His song for um, for the most recent episode, Hobo with a Trash Can, was amazing. It was really, really good, yeah. Um, as his work often is. Uh, Mo, have you seen anything interesting, any movies lately before I, the end of the year? What What is your movie of the year, I should you, ask? You, my movie of the year? What's your favorite movie of 2015? Go Mo! You know what? Uh, there, there are two that that immediately spring to mind that I that, uh-huh. I, that I thoroughly what's the one, enjoyed. What's the one that's not Mad Max Fury Road? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny you would say that. Um, well, well, yes, there is obviously Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, but the other one, which I recently watched, uh, which I've been telling people, like, like this is how I've been uh, trying to convince people to watch it because I've been saying, in my opinion, it's as good as Fury Road. It's a totally different movie, but as good, and that's Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yes. Which was just fantastic. And keep in mind, I watched Fury Road while it was still in the in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see Bone Tomahawk until last week. I love the groundswell of interest in Bone Tomahawk, where it yeah. was like, hey, have you, you know, because the movie just kind of got, it, I mean, it kind of got dumped out there. It wasn't a lot of of uh, pre-word saying that it was really good. Yeah. But people, people have just gotten more and more enthusiastic, and I've seen it on a few top 10 and top 20 lists of the year already. It's fan- uh, It's so good. I haven't seen it yet. I absolutely have to. I need to cram over these next couple of weeks. I did see Spotlight recently, which is a really, really good movie mm. um, and probably is worthy of like a top 10 list. Mad Max certainly is as well. Yeah. I saw an Anomalisa at TIFF. I didn't like that as much as a lot of people did, but it's still one of those must-watch ones. But uh, yeah, no, I need to cram and get a lot more in before I make my decision. But eventually my top 10 will arrive 
over at dailygrindhouse.com right. and you can you know and on our various um our various online groups as well. Right. I mean, and I, and I watched some other stuff uh, recently that's, that's newer. I mean, I watched the Martian the other day, which I mean, wasn't amazing, but it was good. I it's like, really entertaining. Yeah. You know? It's entertaining. Uh, and speaking of entertaining and relatively low budget, um, and I believe also Australian or oh. no, 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 I'm sorry. I think it's even New Zealand. No, New no, no. Zealand. Um, I watched uh Deathgasm the other yes. day. So good. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, and yeah, in terms of what I saw, I've, I watched, uh, or oh, I should say my wife has been watching a lot of documentaries recently. So I saw that Gore Vidal, um, William Buckley Jr. documentary that recently got added to Netflix. That's actually really good. Oh, yeah? Very, very highbrow. <laughs> well, what's what's that one? I, I'd actually be interested in that one. Oh, no, it's really good. All, it's about their series of debates that they had in the um, uh, the elections of, the, I think it's the early 70s. Yeah. Um, and, but I can't remember what it's called offhand. But, I mean, if you do a search for it. I'll do a search Vidal, for it. I'll find it, yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely worth your time. And, um, and, and uh, in terms of what I say, yeah, as I mentioned, I saw Spotlight. I um oh yeah and of course a few Eric Roberts movies oh, yeah. just just a couple <laughs> as is my way I have an Eric Roberts Christmas special that I'm recording in a couple of days um, <laughs> where we're covering Christmas in Compton featuring Eric Roberts of and an All American Christmas Carol featuring Eric Roberts and yeah well you'll have to wait and see what that's all about I think but yeah I think no I've actually this, seen that All American yeah, it's, Christmas Carol it's on Hulu I think yeah. um I, I my understanding is that Eric Roberts may not have a large part in it but what are you gonna do whatever story of my life well is, is he the ghost of Christmas present yeah I think he actually is one of those see ghosts. see nailed it you, you figured it out oh and I watched Once Upon a Time in the West last night because Ooh. it's one of the best movies of all time absolutely so, uh, so yeah, a, a nice variety of things lately. Mo, do you have any thoughts to add to the people out there before we sign off for the night? Yeah. Let's end this war on Christmas. Mm. You know, it's Merry Christmas, not Happy yeah. Holidays. Right. No, I'm just totally kidding. I don't give a shit yeah. what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Just, oh, I... <laughs> just just under, understand that if you say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, you know, Merry Hanukkah, whatever, no matter what you say to me, I don't care. Yeah, I'll say fuck you anyway. That'll be yeah. my response. It doesn't matter. Right. Because uh, I'm a cynic and uh, a misanthrope, <laughs> and I just don't like people is what I'm saying. You are definitely a cynical misanthrope. Yeah, and with that with, with that confirmation of our own shittiness. Did you say confirmation? Uh, our own cunt information. Uh-huh. Uh, it's time to sign off for the year 2015. Let's have a great 2016, a great no-budget 2016. Folks, use Bad Taste as your inspiration. Use one of the movies we covered this year, one of the many movies we talked about on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Use those as your inspiration, except for the ones that suck. Don't use those. Well, no, 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 you know what? Wrong. Even use the ones that suck, because then they'll teach you what not to do. Yeah, and it'll and you'll be like, wow, that got distribution. Right. Maybe my movie can get distribution too, exactly. and it can because that's really easy these days is to get your movie out there. But make it good, and then we'll put it on our show, and we'll talk about it, and be like, boy, this is really good. And then we won't have to spend all of our time watching stuff that sucks. Exactly. Buy Science Crazed on DVD. Go buy Science Crazed on DVD. <laughs> buy The Dead Next Door on DVD, on Blu-ray. Just buy low-budget movies, celebrate them, talk about them, listen to No Budget Nightmares, and tell your friends. I couldn't have said it better myself. We'll see you all in 2016, my lovelies. <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night. For the year. <laughs>